Blog Talk Radio. Kane is in the building. With Hollywood cold, I'm with Molly G, bro. Flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog, millionaire Bollywood flowing up. My real friends never hearing from me. Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me. That's why I pick and choose. I don't get you confused. I got a small circle. I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the same building. But we got different views I got a couple cars I never get to use Don't like my women single I like my chicks and twos And these days all the girls are down the road And good afternoon everybody It's Thursday evening at 6 o'clock It's the 21st day of May I'm Rich Yelvin alongside the coach Eugene Benton here As we're coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios Here in Somerville, South Carolina Of course you can reach out to the guys over at the factory, at their actual facility, it's in Hanahan, South Carolina, located at 5913 Loftus Road. Give them a shout first. Make sure that they've got room for you because I'm not sure if it's full-fledged yet. I'm pretty sure it is, but just in case, I'd rather you not make the drive uh, and something happen when you get there. Now, the number to call over there to talk to Coach Fordham and the boys and girls over there is 843-573-7391. Now, we are looking to possibly – we're not making any promises, but we're looking to possibly do a live show there on Sunday. Stay tuned. See how that works itself out. Now, without further ado, I'll bring in the other side of Southern Sports. Central Sports has the coach, Eugene Benton. What's up, coach? It's Thursday. We made it through the week, almost three hours away. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a great day. We got some uh, got some work in today with some kids. Brought in uh, two new kids, and then uh, we got a, a nasty storm uh, came up on us. But, you know. As long as there's no lightning, I, I promised them at some point in their career they're going to have to learn how to kick in the rain. So we toughed it out. It looked like drowned rats, but uh, we were able to get some balls off in the rain. So had to run in and uh, throw some footballs in the clothes dryer and uh, got about three of them in the oven at, at uh, 220. So, you know, that's just part of the part of what we do. And, uh, anyway, uh, man, I am looking forward to tonight, you know, starting off with some NASCAR and ending with our, with our boy coach, uh, you know, he—he, he, I don't know if you saw the video he made for me uh, a couple of weeks ago about special teams, but I swear he yep. nailed it. <laughs> you know, I looked at that yeah. video because I said, "Man, where's the video?" And he said, "Hold on." Then he tags me in this video for special teams. I looked at it and I, you know, I just wanted to kind of laugh, but also down my head because he—he kind of nailed that. So uh, you know, he's a funny guy. He puts together some good stuff, and uh, sometimes at night, if I need a little pick me up, or or sometimes during the day, I just pull him up on Twitter and and find a. Uh, find a video i can laugh because even if i can laugh at myself it's it's good stuff but uh you know and we're bringing in coach crosby and uh followed him throughout his career in high school and college and you know i'm a big fan of his dad and his mom you know they've done great things over there and uh in bamberg and now up in orangeburg so you know it's it's a a great uh great uh cast of characters we got coming in here and um 
little looking forward to getting this thing off, you know, and also, you know, we started off with Jay Williams and those guys got some great things going on with this youth football league. And man, you know, these things weren't there uh, growing up when you and I were growing up, we're the same age and, and grew up the same ground. I mean, you got little league football and a lot of it was, you know, for lack of better words, you know, some of it could have been daddy football, you know, now they're teaming up with these high school programs and getting these kids, you know, not only the right equipment, but, you know, some top notch training and, uh, you know, they're going to be mentored and, and follow along with these high school programs. They're going to have top jerseys and, you know, kind of compete for uh, not necessarily a sponsor, you know, not like a pizza joint or something like that, but for the hometown, they're going to rep down the jersey. So looking forward to getting Jay in here as well. No doubt about it. Eugene talked about our five-star VIP room, and it's locked and it's loaded. And we're starting off at 630 with Jay Williams. He mentioned that, the South Carolina U.S. Football Association Commissioner. And uh, he's got some news to break here on the air with us. He's already uh, been uh, getting back and forth with me uh, via text. So we're excited to hear what uh, the commission has to say about those young athletes. As you heard him in the background last Thursday, and, oh, can I only imagine this Thursday it's going to get a little bit better. And we're talking a little bit about the game plan because the state of South Carolina has opened the doors for the youth programs. And that doesn't just mean football. Ladies and gentlemen, baseball fields will hear the noise of young kids all around, and that to me is music to my ears to ride by uh, here in Somerville. We've got Parks, which is to our left of the studio, and, of course, they've got some competitors all throughout the ball fields over there. And then you head the other way, you're going to head to uh, Somerville Little League. Of course, one of them is the, the Little League organization. The other is the Dixie Youth organization. I just wish we had one, but fortunate enough, I guess, to have two. But uh, we'll kind of get into that one day on another show. But excited to hear the news that they're going to open up a lot of facilities so that these young people can get back after it. And uh, we're just kind of, you know, we're, we're a little nervous, right? We're a little nervous, but yet we're, we're optimistic. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, you mentioned at 7 o'clock, uh, first time. Check the box. Bring it in. J.J. Yale is going to come in here. He races for, uh, uh, of course, uh, Rick Ware Racing. He's in that number 27. He's got a handful of sponsors. We'll see if he gives them all some love on the show tonight. He is on the NASCAR circuit, the big boy circuit, if you will. Uh, we'll talk to him about racing not one but two races at Darlington. And uh, some of the distractions and also some of the, uh, I guess, new rules and things that, that may or may not have affected these guys in the cars. To me, once they hit the gas pedal, it doesn't change, right? I mean, that's kind of my thing. Maybe in the pits for some of the crew members, possibly. But when it comes to the drivers, I'm going to think it's pretty much the same. If you watch the race last night, they did race again last night at Darlington. It was uh, kind of, I guess, extended because of the rain uh, from the night before. And uh, that being said, you, you get into, uh, I guess it was uh, Kyle Busch, uh, the, the little baby brother who's always in the middle of something. That's when you know NASCAR's back. Uh, I guess got into Chase Elliott, and Chase decided to let him know he was number one on the chart, number one on his heart, and number one on his finger. He gave him the middle finger as he gave him the salute around the track. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And, you know, again, that's, that's NASCAR for you. That's, that's what hockey used to be like. You know, these guys used to fight, and every once in a while would throw a puck around and play a few games. Uh, well, that's the 7 o'clock interview. Now, and we'll have a little break in between that interview and then the top of the third hour is going to be Casey Crosby. You mentioned the young man who's done great things. I talked to him since today uh, about multiple things, Eugene, and it was so just exciting to hear his, his, his voice as far as where he's excited to be over there at Oceanside with Coach Call and that group of guys and, and to work with such a young group to bring it all in from what he's learned from his days, of course, like you mentioned over there in Bamberg, and there's a lot of athletes that come out of that area. Of course, you would know Ricky Sapp, who played uh, for the Clemson Tigers, 
He also played in the league for the couple of teams. Daquan Bowers, another Clemson Tiger that also has played in the league and is doing some other things. And I think Daquan is actually a coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, that's kind of interesting as well. I think it's Tampa Bay. I don't know if it's Tampa Bay or maybe it's South Florida, but I do know he's somewhere in that, that proximity. But we'll, we'll talk to, of course, uh, Coach Crosby, as we will know him going forward here on Southern Sports Central, about his journey, about his days in small town USA in a town that was all but shut down on a Friday night. His father being the coach and learning from one of the best. It's a, a, a man who's left a legacy in coaching in the state of South Carolina the original Coach Crosby, and how it was uh, quite interesting for him to follow in the footsteps now as a coach, as his father was a coach, of course, and coaches around, the, the I guess, uh, the state of South Carolina. Then, last-minute addition, but we're always excited to get him in here all the way from the Alamo in Texas. Of course, we'll get in here with Coach Marco Rigolato. He'll check in with us about some of these crazy cool videos, and we'll just kind of talk football with him. And, uh, again, it's very fun to watch. As you mentioned, Eugene, he nailed it. I mean, he nailed it in a big way when it comes to uh, you and all the other coaches out there. Uh, the linebacker coach at Somerville, uh, I can tell you that uh, Coach Self, what he did with Coach Self was on point. I mean, it was uh, it was uh, just identical to what I'm used to hearing him say on this Friday night. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to give you a couple of avenues to call in here tonight, hang out with us live on the air. If you've got something you would like to talk to us about, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions, and uh, you're just kind of catch up with you. It's been a while. So call in and hang out with us. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central, and you can uh, catch up with us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central as well. We'll be right back, guys. This is Southern Sports Central Live on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, the boardwalk's deserted, there's nobody down by the shore, and the ferris wheel ride isn't turning around anymore, the heat wave and the clouds are just old news, but I still got some sand in my shoes. Bring the memories of the salty air oh, oh, the blanket that we used to share How we fell in love down by the sea Comes back to me with the sand in my When the water was cold, you would tremble and hold me so tight. And we'd sit on the beach just to wait for the stars to come out at night. The heat waves and the clouds are just old news. But I still got some sand. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elton. Let's have the coach Eugene Benton here as we are going to open up the lines a little bit here for the next 15 minutes. Come on in, hang out with us. You got something on your mind? You got something on your chest? Call in and talk to us. Let's hear what's on your mind here. There's a handful of things that are going on. We'll get into that. But the number to call in is 323-784-9681, about 630. It'll get busy for a good hour. We'll get a little break from about 730 to 8, and then it's locked up again. With uh, the guest list, is uh, we got them all around the country coming in here tonight uh, from the coaches to, of course, NASCAR is going to check in. We got a race car driver just checking in with us. And I believe, oh, I believe we may have a new coach on the block here uh, just dialing in here with us. I'm going to see if this is Coach Curtis, uh, who is uh, the newest member of the new staff putting put together over there at St. John's High School. Curtis, man, is that you with us, buddy? Yes, sir. How you doing, Mr. Richie? I'm good, brother. First of all, uh, it's good to talk to you again. Glad to get you in here. We talked about this when we uh, did that event together with I Serve with Joy, and uh, we, it was me, you, and a handful of other guys and girls handing out food at a uh, at the food bank over there about a what, month and a half ago. Uh, and, yes, man, how much joy did you get out of that, man? To me, that's the first time I'd ever done anything like that, but to see so many people get food and, and to get, you know, toiletries and things like that, man, it was it was such a blessing to be a part of, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it, it was definitely a humbling experience. You know, um, it was my first time doing an event like that also. But uh, once I got out there, I was like, I felt like a kid in a candy store. Just, just the turnout <laughs> itself, you know, and just, you know, just the joy that you saw in these people's faces who were actually in need for the supplies we had. It just it just was humbling. It just, I just felt great, you know, out there helping out. Now, again, uh, you just actually sent me a message, and I had reached out to you earlier today. Just You kind of crossed my mind. I was thinking, oh, I hope my man's doing all right over there. You guys have had a lot going on on John's Island, man. I tell you, I, I, I do uh, some business on the island. Y'all have lost a couple coaches over there. One, and both of them, I think, unexpectedly, right? I mean, I don't think either one of them were dealing with an illness. It was just uh, the Lord needed them a little more than we did here, and they needed to go upstairs and do some coaching from a, from the skybox. But uh, you, I guess, maybe have gotten a call today, man. Uh, talk to us, man. What's going on at St. John's? You got a new coach? Talk to us about him and uh, the program, man. What's going on with you guys over there coming up in 2020? Man, uh, I'm excited for the new season. Hopefully we do have a season. Um, but, you know, uh, they just hired Coach Mike Howard um, as the new head coach. And um, I think he brought on Coach Charlie Brown, former uh, NFL superstar with the Washington Redskins back in the 80s. Um, and um, Coach Charlie Brown coached me while I was a raw receiver at Benedict College from 99 to 03. And, oh, man, it's, I'm just, just happy because it's like it almost feels like the root of uh, Islander football is returning and uh, just for, for Coach Brown to reach out to me and, you know, award me with the opportunity to, like, to come back and assist the receivers and, 
voluntarily, man, I mean, um, I'm just I'm, I'm just excited because I think the kids are just going to just breed off of the old school, you know, mentality and the former uh, alma maters of St. John's High School. No doubt about it. We're live right now with, uh, well, the newest coach member uh, with uh, St. John's High School. Of course, he just told us uh, about uh, the head coach is Mike Howard, brings in former Redskin Charlie Brown. And, uh, of course, uh, the gentleman on the phone with us now plays some football over there, Benedict College. Uh, on the outskirts of Columbia, uh, and of course uh, we're live right now with Curtis uh, Reverson, who uh, joins us live on the air over here on the Tent Farm fo- uh, Hotline. You know, Curtis, when, when we look at this man, and, and everything happens for a reason. You, know, you and I were talking about getting in here and, and, and doing some radio together. And here you are. Now you're in here, and this is one of many, my friend. And I'm going to get you to introduce us to that staff uh, here in the next couple of days and weeks, so we can get them all on the air with us. But uh, oh, we yeah. want to get some love to you guys over there at St. John's, man. I mean, I think you guys are uh, – is it 1A over there with you guys this year? Y'all y'all still in the 1A program? Yes, sir. We're still in the 1A. Yep, along with Baptist Hill, uh, Military Magnet, and a couple other schools, you know. Well, now, last year, great season last year. Just going to go a different direction. That happens all the time. Uh, you guys, I believe, uh, made it to the playoffs for sure. I think you guys went up to Myrtle Beach and – and played and what was known as one of the many mud bowls on that. And uh, yep. unfortunately, it didn't come out the way you wanted. But just to make the playoffs, just to have that to build on for the 2020 season, man, how excited are you guys? And I think a lot of talent coming back this year with this new coaching staff. Yeah, we're excited because, you know, um, we have a lot of returning talent coming back. Um, one of our running backs that I can remember, um, Mr. Laurie, I believe he's a rising junior, if I'm not mistaken. Um, another kid we have, uh, I think I remember him playing wide receiver as well. He was a freshman, our quarterback, uh, Jaden, and also uh, was another guy. Um, it's, it's a number of kids that are coming back, and um, I think we have like a middle ground class of sophomores and juniors. And um, they, we, we have a talented bunch. Um, we just, I spoke to Mr. Coach Charlie Brown like two nights ago, and we were just talking about the talent and um, what they wanted to put together. And um, the biggest thing he wanted. To, and instill his character and work at work ethic, and um, he said pretty much once we kind of, you know, push those traits to our guys, I think this is going to be an outstanding season, for 2020. No doubt about it. We're live right now with one of the newest coaches over there, of course, at St. John's High School, located right outside of Charleston, in between. I guess it'd be West Ashley and James Island for those who are here locally know exactly where you guys are at. It's an old school stadium. It's got those. Uh, Actually, I was over there last year to watch a lot of that youth football on the Saturday, sitting in the old uh, concrete stands, man. I mean, you know, yes, when, when you walk into this stadium, man, it, it definitely has an old-school feeling, man. But you played your days there. How cool is it to go back to the place that you played? And, of course, uh, they helped get you to Benedict College. But now you're a coach, man. Of all the times you got frustrated at a coach, you got to know it's coming back to you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, coaching, with coaching, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like that boomerang effect. You know, you play and then you realize how much of a headache you probably were to, uh, with some coaches back in your time. And um, but it's, it just takes a lot of patience, you know. Especially when you can kind of you see kids that uh, have the potential to be great. You kind of want to lock into those because it kind of makes you think back to your time um, of yourself, you know, and your talents and stuff like that. So it's like you know, you know, it's like the, it's the gift of giving back and receiving. You know, if you have a talent and you play, you want to kind of pass that forward to kids. Well, up on on coming youth and uh, upcoming college uh, prospects, but um, it feels great to be back home. And I, every time I walk in that stadium, I just relive some of the past uh, moments, highlights, and, and uh, 
that bond wire down to the wire uh, football games that we played in that stadium under Coach Bob Biggerstaff and um my last senior coach, uh, Coach Larry Seekers. Um, I love it, man. I'm an Islander for life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the Islanders will be shining here hopefully in about two months. Hopefully you guys get the green light and start doing some stuff on June 1st. But uh, I want you to know, and I told you this over there when we were doing that uh, event over there with Joy and, of course, uh, everybody. Matter of fact, uh, there was a, an NFL guy by the way, who's playing for the Falcons, who was an Islander oh, yeah. for life as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. How much has he come back? And uh, he seems like he's, he's an all-in kind of guy when it comes to being a part of the program over there at uh, St. John's. Yeah, um, Edmund Robinson, man. I mean, the guy is just outstanding, humble, man, down to earth. You couldn't ask for a better gentleman to be blessed to make it to the NFL. Um, I got a chance to kind of help assist um, when he was, a, I believe, a senior um, when I first went around voluntarily once, um, maybe a few years out of college. Um, I went around, and they, they had a pretty much dominant team with him and uh, another kid. Well, he's a family member of mine, uh, Darius Clark, that they all went up to Newberry together. And um, Darius is still training as well, trying to, you know, help make his dreams come through, true as an NFL uh, uh, future uh, prospect. But, um yeah, Edmund is outstanding, man. Um, he always comes back. I, mean, I believe he has his uh, Edmund Robinson camp every year, um, in either June or July at St. John's, and um, it's free for all the youth groups in the area, in the local uh, surrounding area. And um, every time I see him, man, he's always having a smile on his face. He talks to you. You know, he's he's always uh, homebound and with his roots. And um, like I said, a great guy, man. You know. No doubt about it, man. It must run on the island, man, because you're the same way. I mean, you and I kind of we, – we were catching up there, man. Next thing you know, we, by the end of that event, I felt like we, all of us, and there was about 15 of us, felt like family. And, and I spent a lot of time on John's Island you know, with my 9 to 5 there before I come on the air. And uh, it is quite an, an amazing group of folks on that island, all the way from John's Island to Guatemala Island. Uh, you go out there, man, and, and just the love that they welcome you in your home. And, of course, with COVID-19, it's a little different right now. But yep. uh, it, it's still the same. You know, it's still the same. And, and it just almost feels like it kind of – it has that island feel to it, man. I'm honest with you. Sometimes I forget I'm in South Carolina when I'm out there at Watermelon, man. It's got a, <laughs> a, a real good charm to it, my man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely country-rooted, man. Um, even though it's expanding as, the, you know, times change, but it still has its roots, you know, you know, dirt roads and the surrounding trees and all that good stuff, man, the hosp- southern hospitality. It's still grounded with some of the older generation. Um, everybody kind of knows everybody, and for the most part, just about everybody may be related somewhere down the line, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely it, uh, it's home. Yep. It, 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 it's definitely that, and they welcome a lot of people, man. I tell you what, it's a, it's a great place, and I get a chance to be there sometimes six days a week. Uh, what position are you going to be involved in over there? You might have said that at the beginning, but I want to make sure I get this documented. But for, for us listening, and, 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 of course, we're going to be doing some stuff over there. Once uh, we get opened up, we're coming to that campus uh, for sure. But what, what is your job title with this new position and uh, taking on with this uh, this new group of men that's going to take over the Islanders? Yes, sir. Um, so I got invited back by Coach Charlie Brown and uh, Coach uh, Mike Howard uh, to be uh, to assist Coach Charlie on the offense, um, particularly with the receivers, um, you know, giving back. I played a receiver as well there at, at St. John's and, and went on to do the same in college at Benedict. Um, so, yeah, I'll be definitely with the receiver group um, of guys, and um, I'm going to just pretty much give them everything. I have my tool bag to kind of help every one of them uh, reach their highest potentials, man. So, 
Well, the one thing you'll hear on this show, Curtis, is that you'll hear this again later because we're actually catching up with a, another gentleman that's giving back to a community, and that's Casey Crosby coming to coach uh, down here in Charleston over at Oceanside. But I love it to see when guys come back either to their, uh, their where they're from or just to get back to the game that, of course, helped raise them and lead them. Uh, for you guys who have heard on the show, we've had Kenny Solomon the second. And it's the reason I'm going to say the second, as he's oh, a yeah. graduate from, of course, Socrates. He's now at Tennessee. He was on the show with us on Sunday night. Well, his father, Kenny Solomon the first, played that's my with the same coach that's on the show with us here, right at Benedict, man. How cool is that? It's such a small world when we kind of put that together on that day that we were hanging out, handing out the gift bag. Man, you bring it back memories, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so when I graduated from St. John's in 99, um, I was pretty much up in the air between uh, Benedict College and South Carolina State. And um, things kind of just worked out better um, with where I was as a young kid at the time to, you know, take my talents and education at Benedict College. And um, my freshman year, I'll never forget, you know, once I, I was being introduced to the staff and I met a, a breed of our brothers that are that we are still tight-knit to this day. But uh, Kenny Kenny was the uh, pretty much the star receiver, Kenny Solomon uh, Sr., um, Kenny Solomon, the uh, second father. And um, you know, I was I was one of those guys. I mean, I, once I saw the best in talent at my position, I wanted to kind of hang on to it. And Kenny was open, man, down to earth. He he took me under his wings and showed me everything he had. And um, he actually took me from being a raw talent receiver from Johns Island to like you know a decent uh, player in uh, the SIAC Division Two um, college uh, conference that we were in, man. And um. And I, I I picked his brain and he we worked we worked each other in practice and and brought the best out of each other and we pretty much had a good uh collegiate um year together and um and that guy was just outstanding I mean incredible athlete I believe he uh he played some arena football and um you know I, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree so I see why his son was just outstanding of an athlete and um you know kind of passed the torch as he is doing in, at Tennessee so. Great guy. I, I tell you what, man, God is good and continues to bless us in ways we don't even understand. It. And quite frankly, just sometimes you sit back and appreciate it. And I appreciate our friendship. And, uh, man, I told you, look at this. Now all of a sudden you're a coach. you got to come on the show now, brother. You can't hide no more. So uh, you will catch up off the air. I just wanted to uh, get you when you sent me that text. I said, oh, no, perfect time. Let's get a coach back in here from St. John's. And you're the first coach, by the way. Let's check the box because you're the first coach from St. John's to jump on the air, and you're a former player, played in college at Benedict College. By the way, we talk about your band all the time. They got the best, uh, I, I would say, um, uh, trombone section or, or of course, um, yeah, one of the best bands in the state of South Carolina across the southeast, man. We, uh, we, we feature a lot of HBCUs, and uh, their bands are, are usually uh, some of the best part of that campus life over there, man. Those guys get down. What do you remember about your days at Benedict College real quick before I get you out of here? Man, just the uh, just the uh, HBCU historical black college experience, man. Def- uh, Benedict was one of those colleges, man. That if you were a boy when you got there, you definitely became a man because it uh, it, it matured you real fast, you know. And uh, you know, it's just um, it was just going moving on from Johns Island to Benedict. I really know didn't know what I was walking into, but um, down to the professors, the president at the time, and uh, President David Swinton. Um, 
even uh, Miss Mildred Knightner, who became one of my, my second mom, she was the uh, main counselor there. Um, it was just family oriented. You know, everybody got along well. I mean, it was just you never felt like you were away from home. So it was just that vibe was always good. And um, game day was just like a party in itself, man. From the uh, <laughs> from the uh, you know Tiger sensations, uh, you know, just the the band itself just the crowd and, and just the passion for the game and the student body in general. It was, it was just outstanding. Well, let me ask you this final question and we're going to get you out of here. We got uh had to break here, but give a recruit right now that's listening. And he is thinking, man, I got to go to power five. I got to go to this school right here. Why should he go and play football at an HBCU? To be honest, if I had to do it over again, I would go to HBCU route or any any smaller school. Like like, a lot of kids, they come out, they get the big head, and they want to go to the you know the top 25s. But at the end of the day, um, if you got talent, any coach will see you. So wherever you get the opportunity, be it at HBCU, and now that's where you're getting those raw talents from is the smaller schools. I would I would take it up in a heartbeat and just go there and get my chance to get film and get on the, get on the field, and be seen because at the end of the day film sales and that's what the coaches want to see they want to see the talent so to go to a top 25 if you don't really have that top five top four rating out of college um you pretty much won't get seen and you're just wasting years so i would out of the gate go i can get on the field and contribute and be seen and get filmed to those uh nfl prospects well coach curtis you did a great job man first of many interviews here i appreciate you calling at the last minute catching in and tell those uh, islanders we're coming and let them know that uh we need to hear the coaches on the show as well. So if you could help us line up Coach Howard and Coach Brown, we'd appreciate it as well, man. And I'll catch up with you after the show here in a few hours, buddy. Appreciate your time. And congratulations, man. You made it back home, and now you get to be the coach. That's kind of neat, right? Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm excited to get back and, and give give back to those kids and uh, help Coach Brown and Coach Howard and the rest of the staff as we come together. But, yes, definitely thank you for inviting me on the show first time. And I will definitely give uh, Coach Howard and Coach Brown the invitation and, uh, as we move forward. Well, cool, buddy. We appreciate you. We'll see you on the back side, my man. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. I'll check in with you in just a few. All right, guys, so we're going to take a quick break. This is the trombone section, by the way, from Benedict College. I have it on uh, our music selection. So we're going to go to break, and uh, this is what you get when you go to an HBCU, man. They play the band like nobody else. So hang tight. When we come back, we're going to be in here with Jay Williams. He is with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. He's got a few announcements. And amen to that. That means it must be time for some football. We'll be right back. You're listening to the greatest show on air right here. So the Sports Central guys, we'll be right back.
so good. We almost played it twice here. Welcome back, everybody. Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Yaman. Coach Eugene Bitten joining us here. And uh, Coach Curtis joining us all the way from the island, ah, John's Island, very own, the Islanders' uh, newest coach to the newest staff over there. The new head coach is Mike Howard. Charlie Brown is over there. Now you can add Coach Curtis. He's a part of that staff over there with a uh, young group of people that uh, love that program. And I mean big-time football over there on a Friday night, 1A football in the great state of South Carolina. Question was asked, who is that trombone player? Well, it's a bunch of individuals. It is that university, that college that, of course, uh, Coach Curtis went to, of course, Benedict College. And if you ever go to an HBCU, the game on the field is important, no doubt about it. they got to win the game on the field. But, man, sometimes, oh, sometimes, you get the band going against the other band, and, man, it is a showdown in the sand. And that same thing happens when Benedict was playing somebody and all of a sudden they start calling from one side to the other side. And, man, these seven or eight guys with the trombone started getting down and one individual, man, he played as, as good as I've heard it sung on the radio. And I tell you, without further ado, uh, another man that can do it uh, on any football field. And, of course, he's part of the Woodland crew who also, by the way, Woodland, those guys got some, uh, some pretty good band members up there too. They get down on a Friday night. But that being said, let's bring in Jay Williams, the commissioner from the South Carolina Youth Football Association. What's up, Jay? Nothing much, Richie, man. Glad to have me on the show today, man. Appreciate you having me. Man, it's hard to – I'm listening to that song and listening to that, that – you, you've heard that, I would imagine, before, right? Because I know it hit Facebook and everywhere else there when that band up there at Benedict kind of went off on that other school real quick in the stands. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> before, uh, uh, it was an exciting feeling to actually – you know, listen to it and see how that went down. So it was great how that played out. No doubt. And then, of course, you see that with South Carolina State. I was at State last year. Of course, we've had a, a, a couple of coaches come on here lately from uh, South Carolina State. But uh, I remember, what was it, two – I think it was last year, the year before last, uh, Bethune-Cookman came up to play them on, like, uh, it was um, student weekend or something like that where they invited all the youth in and gave them free tickets. But – I tell you what, Bethune Cookman's another band, and they can do their thing as well, man. South Carolina State's got a great band. And, uh, you know, to me, when I think football, I would love to see a lot of these other high schools kind of loosen the rein a little bit and get out of the normalcy of just the whole marching to the 101 and get down and get the fans involved. Because you go to Burke High School, you go to Woodland, you go over there, of course, to Wilson High School in Florida, trust and believe me, the band is half of the show. Football's the other half, but definitely the band can get down, man. Uh, what is it about, do you think, when you go to an HBCU, let me ask you your thoughts and opinions on this, because I do want to get in, of course, to, the, to, to some football with you as well. And I, and I asked Coach Curtis the same thing. When you look at an HBCU, and we, we've had all these coaches come in here, when you look at it, to me, it, it is a very family-oriented, friendly, love-you-for-life type relationship. Is that fair to say, uh, commission when you look at a, a, a university like a South Carolina State or like Benedict or even go down to a, a Grambling? I, I, I totally agree. I think the um, the atmosphere and the environment is more family-oriented at a smaller school, not just an HBU, HBCU, but a smaller school in general. When you're at any type of smaller school, I think it's more family-oriented and a tight-knit environment, and it kind of helps the kids, in my opinion, transition more from the high school level because uh, those right. are, I mean, some of the high schools are just as big as those colleges. So uh, it you don't have the, the large environment that you do going to maybe a University of South Carolina compared to one of the HBCUs. So, yeah, I, I truly think 
that uh, it's more family oriented, more tight knit in that environment and on those campuses. Yeah, we had the OC from South Carolina State who played his football. He's a quarterback for uh, Somerville back in the day. Uh, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about here. But uh, he said the same thing. Yeah, just a great environment. Could you imagine leaving Wando High School or Somerville High School or Dorman High School where it's a college environment? Really, the campus is massive. And then all of a sudden you go to a Furman or you go to a North Greenville or somewhere. And I'm just mentioning some of the other schools outside of an HBCU. It's a culture shock, man. It's got to be because you go from getting all the great swag. I mean, Woodland, I told you all the time, man, y'all's logo alone ought to sell thousands and millions of T-shirts to people that have never seen your school. It's probably a pretty easy sell. Uh, But that being said, you know, they're given Nike gear. They're given nice stuff. But then you go to a smaller school, they don't have all that stuff. You know, they don't have some of the bells and whistles because you're not there to wear the swag. They can do that in the stands. You're there to play, if you're an athlete, to play the game, right? Correct, yeah. So let's so, talk yeah, about I your mean, family over there. It definitely has to be a culture right. shock, you know, um, going from one of those larger high schools to one of those smaller schools. Because, uh, like you said, uh, maybe a Wanda or a Somerville high school that large, they're bigger than a lot of the smaller colleges. So, yeah, it's definitely a different feeling. Now, we got a different feeling happening right now in the great state of South Carolina because the governor has opened the doors and is allowing you guys, I believe, and I'm going to let you break some news here as you're the commissioner with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. And we've been promoting you guys on our Twitter page and on our Facebook page with all of your teams that are tagging us or we're catching it. We're sending it through our pipeline as well about registration and team workouts and things happening. Uh, Commissioner, what's happening, man? Let's go ahead and it, it's your floor, man. Get some announcements out and let's educate our listeners on what's going on with you guys over there at the South Carolina Youth Football Association across the state of South Carolina. Well, Governor McMaster has opened up the state of South Carolina starting on May 30th for youth sports to resume practicing. Um, is It includes but are not limited to American Legion Baseball, Dixie Youth Baseball, Little League Baseball, Travel Baseball, and Adult Softball, Kickball, and Soccer. Now, if you follow the sporting world, you know these are the sports that are in season right at this time. So those were the ones that he mentioned, but it's not limited to. So basically any sport can kick back off on May 30th for practices, um, and then games can resume as early as June 15th. Um, Wow. Now, it will still be with health restrictions and social distancing guidelines. So with that being said, you know, parents in the stands will need to practice six feet apart with social distancing. Um, Players, even warming up, uh, don't need to be like in huddles. If you're playing the flag football, you're going to have to adjust and maybe call everything from the line so you're not in a small huddle. The Football and just being on the field, they're so far apart already. So I think that's fine with those sports. Um, soccer, somehow going to have to figure that out because you can be very close in contact, but I'm sure they have worked those things out for that sport. Um, so, yeah, it's very exciting news. It's exciting to hear everything's opening back up for those that may have questions or well, are going to even have a football season this year or we're going to have a baseball season this year well government McMaster just gave that answer yes like starting June 15th seasons will be rolling and man I tell you what between that news and then I saw a schedule that came out we shared it over there at Southern Sports Central on Facebook so make sure you're you're checking that out that's the new schedule for week two I believe that was released 
where you guys are going to be playing all across the state of South Carolina, all the way from Somerville to Dorchester to Goose Creek. you got North Charleston on the map, Monk's Corner. Albert, South Carolina is on here. Seabrook, South Carolina is on here. Monk's Corner, Holly Hill, Sumter, Orangeburg, Columbia, and Lancaster. It looked like these guys were all on this, on this list here for week two. And, again, you know, I guess optimism is, is the word, right? And definitely we're going to come in this thing, tiptoeing this thing in. But, but when you look at this thing, and, and you guys, if I'm not mistaken, have kind of extended registration a little bit, what are you doing for some of these parents? Or is there any financial help with these parents who, by the way, COVID-19 has limited a lot of people. And even though the government's given them furloughs, they're backed up as well. Uh, commission. They're not able to get some of the money that they're due, and that may not come for another month or so. Is there anything that, that they can do to try to get involved with you guys, even though they're waiting on that check to get in here because they've been furloughed for the last two months? Um, yeah, definitely that is something that the lead has to consider. And as you mentioned, we have extended out our um, league registration for our teams that would like to join the league. So uh, it was first June 1st, we we're going to cut it off, and then uh, we extended that to July 1st. And that's why we haven't released week one of the season yet. We released week two tentatively um, just to give people an idea of what was going on. But uh, if we have more teams joined, then the week one schedule will change, and week two will be edited as well. But as far as the parents getting the kids signed up, that, I mean, extending it out to July 1st is an extending it for them as well. Now, we know as directors of programs that just extending it is not going to always be the the answer. You know, like you said, some people might be having hiccups with funds and things of that nature. Well, the biggest thing, I think, was stuff starting to open back up. Now, you will start to see here shortly a lot of these programs starting to fundraise. Uh, whether it's car washes or fish fries or raffles or whatever you do as a program to fundraise to try to help these parents out and these kids out as far as lowering your cost for registration as much as possible. A lot of people would have been doing that a lot sooner, but due to COVID-19, I mean, you couldn't. But now, right. with everything starting to open back up, you, you will start to see that around the state with the with the youth sports. You will start seeing a bunch of more fundraisers popping off here shortly. We're live now with the commissioner, Jay Williams. Of course, we've partnered with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. You'll hear all their games on Saturday night. It'll be the game of the week right here on Southern Sports Central. Of course, uh, myself, Richie Altman, and Eugene Benton. And we're going to get a couple of other guys and girls involved in this thing as, as well. We'll get some sideline reporting, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll also be doing some Facebook Live, as, as uh, Jay's mentioned. So we'll be streaming this thing together as one to make it a lot of fun, and of course, uh, anywhere in the world you can listen and you can watch these young athletes get after it. It'll be a lot of fun because they can go back and listen and watch themselves after they get off the field the following day. To me, that's a lot of fun in itself. So uh, when you look at this commission, you start to kind of put things in perspective. You, you know, do you guys do, and I know a lot of programs, they do kind of like a, 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 click, a kickoff classic, if you will. I know they have the showdown in Dorchester. Uh, that doesn't – I don't think that happens. I think that's one of many things that they start to kind of do away with the high school level. But is that something that you guys do? Do you all get into some type of a uh, a jamboree, if you will, or do you all go straight into the season? No, we have a jamboree. We have four separate jamborees for each conference. Um, so our – the low country jamboree for the SEC conference, it will be – well, all jamborees will be held on August 15th. But ours will be held at August 15th, and it will be held at Cane Bay High School. And we do it very similar to, like, the Dorchester Showdown where each team plays one quarter of football that day. Um, clock doesn't stop on that day. It's just not um, continuous running clock. 
one quarter of football, you know, let them just get out there, get their feet wet, have fun for that quarter, and we bring the next team on. So we have we'll have seven games per age group basically playing a quarter. So you'll get 21 different games there at Cane Bay that day. Um, right now they're supposed to be allowing us to use three fields to do that. Um, not sure if that changed due to COVID-19 or anything of the nature. Hopefully that stays the same, but it'll be constant football moving that day. Um, it's a great experience. Uh, hey, if you want to be out there that day, brother, you're more than welcome to join us on 15th of August at Cane Bay. And that, that's the league kickoff. Uh, we'll be in uh, at Cane Bay. Columbia will host it somewhere in Columbia for the Big 12. Uh, Greenville will host the ACC, and then Sumter will host the PD Conference if Sumter and Columbia doesn't partner together because they're so close. Um, but that is the plan. Like, everybody has the Jamboree or Dorchester County show, uh, showdown style. Now, one thing that I would love to do, since we have feeder programs for all four teams in the Dorchester County area, is try to partner with whoever's putting that on to let our 12U division, you know, the division right before they get to B team or mostly B team, is play in that thing. Just the Asheville, 12U, Woodland, Fort Dorchester, and Somerville, we all four have feeder programs. So if some way we can partner with them to let the little guys get in there and get them a, a quarter of action against, you know, each other, that would be great. That would be neat. And again, it would help gyrate not only unity and, and getting everything back to, to, to some good stuff. Of course, it would bring in the fans, the family, and the, the financial part of that, right? I mean, because, again, uh, there's a cost of getting in. There's food that are there that's got to be bought, and things have got to happen. But let's let's work on that. I'll, I'll partner with you guys, and, and we'll reach out to uh, the athletic directors that are involved. Of course, one of those you know really well up there at Wilson as well. But, you know, we can bend his ear and the coaches and the athletic directors across the other three or four schools that are part of that showdown as well. But that's a great idea, uh, Commission. I like the way you're thinking there. And we will definitely be uh, on campus over there at Cane Bay on August the 15th. We're going to be there. and uh, Definitely we want to shake hands. We want these kids to see who we are because when we're around, you know, we, we want them to walk up and, hey, brag a little bit. Tell us some stats, man. Tell us why you're going to go to college or why you're going to be the next big thing at the high school you're going to be filtering in once your days of playing in this league are over. Uh, as we're live right now with that commissioner, Jay Williams, with the South Carolina Youth Football Association, kind of going over some new things and, and, of course, looking at, you know, what's going to be. And as you start to kind of put things in perspective here, and it seems like the, the area's done a good job with you guys, though. I, I know Somerville's own uh, Brian Rutherford's really been really good to the Somerville guys over there. looks like they're going to have them a, a place to practice. And then Ashley Ridge has been the same way. Fort Dorchester's been the same way. And it looks like Kane Bay's on pack, and I know – you have everybody up there at Woodland on point as well. I mean, that's got to be kind of humbling and kind of make you feel like you're definitely doing what you're supposed to do when you got athletic directors at the high school level opening their doors literally in their ball fields to you guys, right? Yeah, the support this season has been tremendous from all of those schools that you have just named. Uh, we, of course, we weren't into all of them last season, year one, but now each and every one of them has bought in and support and the backing, like any one of those schools that you just mentioned, I don't think anyone that's running the youth program has had an issue with any of those guys. There's been a hundred percent support of the youth movement. Um, I honestly believe it, it was a part of 
having no more middle school ball because of them deciding to go this route and then going back to C team and B team and then JV and varsity. Now you have the kids in your program forever. Like they're six, five, six, whenever they start, they're in your program. They're a Somerville Greenway player from then until they're 18 or they're a Swamp Fox until 18 or a Patriot 18 or Wolverine until they're 18 from five. So I think these athletic directors and these head coaches see the big picture and they definitely have supported it and got on board. And it's been great. And not just the stopping in the Dorchester County like we have. You mentioned uh, games will be played in Alvin. Well, Timberland is giving that team support. Um, we have the Goose Creek, St- the Palmetto Stampede that play out of Goose Creek. They get support from Goose Creek High. So we have multiple high schools, not just excluding any others, not just saying just Dorchester sure. County. No, we have a support everywhere, and it, it's, it's great. It's great. Right. Well, we want to do our part there, Commission, to help do that and, and to get the word out. And, again, from all of us here at Southern Sports Central, from my course, uh, I know you guys over there at the South Carolina Youth Football Association, we appreciate the community wrapping their arms around these young athletes, not just the football players. There's some young ladies, some cheerleaders that are going to be screaming at the top of their lungs during these games as well. And remember, the old saying, it takes a village. It really does take a village to get these kids in the right direction. If they're not on the football field, they'll be somewhere. At least when they're on the field, we know where they are. We can kind of, you know, kind of like, like, like cattle, if you will, kind of lean them into the right direction. It doesn't have to end in football games and cheerleading squads, but at least we can teach them some core values of life and some success there. Let's talk about food, man, uh, food trucks. I, I was asked this question uh, over the weekend. What do these guys need to do or ladies if they have a food truck and they would like to be a part of your Saturday night event or maybe they just want to park somewhere in your facility? Uh, what, I guess, process? Is there, is there some type of an application they need to fill out there, Commission? What needs to happen for some of these food truck rodeos to take place during your football games? Well, that's going to be on a organization-by-organization organization basis as far as what they need to do. They want to be at these organizations' home games, uh, you know, with their food trucks because uh, it's going to be handled differently at with me at Woodland than it may be at Fort Dorchester or at Goose Creek with the Stampede. So that's going to be on an organization-by-organization organization basis. The best thing to do if they have questions about that is to either contact the organization directly on the South Carolina Youth Football Association Facebook page. Each team is highlighted with their director's contact info, so you can contact those directors um, personally, or they always can contact me, and I can bridge that gap for them um, if they're wanting to be just exclusively on the Saturday night games. We can partner with that. I mean, we already have those games basically picked out for you for the entire season, or where you will be on Saturday nights. I can reach out to those program directors and get that process rolling for them. But maybe they just, if they want to do more than Saturday night, if they want to be at Fort Dorchester, every home game, then you would reach out to their program director directly and set that up and see if it's an application that's needed or whatever they agree upon. But that's going to be on an organization-by-organization basis. Now, if they want to be a part of a league event like the Jamboree or the championship or playoffs, anything that's hosted by the league, contact me directly, and we can definitely set something up with that. Well, Commissioner, as always, uh, 6.30, by the way, for those who are listening, is his slot on Thursday afternoon. So if it's happening on the field, you're going to hear about it on a Thursday 
on the air. Once these guys get up and going, we're going to highlight a player of the week, and uh, he or she, because we will uh, allow the cheerleaders to be a part of this as well. Commissioner, if you want to get me a cheerleader and a player for this segment, that would be awesome as well. And, uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be some other things involved. Of course, stats could be there. Maybe they did something great in the community. Maybe they're a scholar in the classroom, because by this time, hope and pray that they'll be in school, of course, as well. And I'm not talking homeschooled. I'm talking in school. And uh, I just love an opportunity to get those young people's voices heard here on the radio. And I, I can't say enough, uh, you know, Mr. J, I appreciate this opportunity to partner with you guys and uh, just work together to build this youth up, man. Oh, uh, I appreciate you, uh, Rizzi. And definitely you mentioned something that um, I, I really want to do is get you a football player and a cheerleader for a player of the week athletically, but I also want to get you one academically. So let's have an mm. academic player of the week and an athlete of the week, both football and chair for the upcoming season. I think that would be great because it's not just about football or chair. The classroom definitely comes first with all these young men and women. They're student athletes, and, of course, the first part of that is student. So you're a student first before an athlete. Uh, so yeah, let's definitely highlight the academic side of everything as well. No doubt about it. We'll stretch it out to an hour because we are, of course, uh, looking to – we'll be adding more shows as we get closer to the season. You know, we'll go to five days a week, so we'll definitely have time to do just that. Commission, as always, uh, glad to see uh, family's doing good before I get you out of here, man. You guys holding down and, and trying to stretch out a little bit more coming up the Memorial Day weekend here? Yeah, everybody's doing well, brother. Uh, Memorial Day weekend coming up. Sure, some grills will be rolling somewhere uh some barbecue going so i'm excited for it everybody's doing good on your end yes sir man hey i got a three-day weekend coming up i'll do the show sunday night as normal but uh you know where i'm off uh monday and uh saturday and sunday so i don't i don't know what i'm going to get into it's going to be socially distanced whatever it is i usually head back to my hometown myrtle beach but uh I, i'm not not no way not heading that way i'm going to live right here in somerville <laughs> i might travel to folly beach man but that's it. I might, you know, I might go to Guatemala. Like I was talking to Coach Curtis, who just joined the staff over there, uh, of course, in St. John's. But uh, as far as going back home to Myrtle Beach, not happening. Not not right now. So we'll, we'll see. But everybody's good on this end. And uh, let's me and you catch up off the air, man. Uh, they're opening up some restaurants, man. There's some patios. I'm sure we can go out there and enjoy some food here in the uh, Somerville area and get a, get a chance to catch up, man. Uh, anytime, brother. Yeah, just give me a ring. I'm going to be more than willing to meet you anyway. You got it, man. Real quick, too, uh, make sure you tell your coaches and, and anybody else in the power that be, and that means cheerleading and coaches on the football field, if there is a fundraiser, a, when they tweet it out, Facebook it, tag me personally, tag Eugene personally, and definitely tag Southern Sports Central, but send it to us, inboxes, let us know, and uh, we'll put it on social media. And then, of course, like I've mentioned, this platform is your platform, man, so you send the guys and girls my way, and we'll definitely give them a voice so that we can get the word out to everybody that listens to us here uh, day after day. Definitely will do. I should send that out to them right now in the form of that because I'm pretty sure you'll start seeing some sort of flyers or something popping up here shortly with fundraising. No doubt about it. Commission, God bless. Take care. I'll catch up with you off the air. And, again, we'll see you again next Thursday right here on Southern Sports Central for your 630 segment. All right. Talk to you then if we don't catch up before then. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And, like that, you have been educated by the one and only Jay Williams. He is the commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Always a pleasure getting in here with him and his crew. And, again, it takes 
an army. It takes a village. It takes a lot of it to get to that next step. Now, that next step, of course, is uh, practice, conditioning, and then the games. They're all going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to speak it into existence here on Southern Sports Central and do it in style, but do it safely. But let's just get after it again. There comes a time where sometimes you just got to take that step, that leap of faith, if you will, but do it with the mask on, but do it with the distance, and uh, let's just make sure we get after it. Now, coming up at 7 o'clock, we're heading to the track. Well, we're really not heading to the track. We're going to head, I think, to Charlotte, where J.J. Yaley, of course, is a uh, NASCAR driver. He's the first NASCAR driver, and I'm talking he is at the top level of NASCAR, meaning that he was racing over the weekend in Darlington. He was racing, I believe, last night at Darlington, and uh, he is with the Rick Ware Racing Team. He is the number 27 driver. He's been around for quite some time in NASCAR. I mean, he's, uh, he's a well-known name and uh, very excited to have him in here. As we heard from the hauler, Jake Shelton, he drives the, the hauler around for J.J. to get him from town to town. As I'm sure J.J. probably hits the uh, either the car or usually hits that helicopter ride into town and gets in and gets out. But uh, I want to hear a lot about how the new age NASCAR kind of kicked off over the weekend there in Darlington. Again, you know, we talked about the differences that happen in sports. Now, in NASCAR, I'm sure in the pits it was a little different. But once the guys got in the car, not a whole lot of difference. You cut it on, the gas is to the right, the brakes are to the left, and D stands for drive. And they hit that thing loop after loop after loop, and finally they got a couple of winners and a couple of races. But uh, we'll hear from J.J. and his thoughts, his opinions on uh, just kind of the mindset of NASCAR, his mindset, as, uh, of course, we saw a couple of heated uh, situations that happened last night. Uh, Eugene, we got about a minute, man. Just kind of your thoughts on those two interviews, buddy. May not have Eugene, so uh, we'll do this. We'll head to a quick break. Oh, we come there. back. Top of the hour. Oh, there he goes. So he muted the right, mic, I, and he bites us every time. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Yeah, no, I touched it with my thumb. But, uh, no, we've been out to St. John's, actually played at St. John's twice, and then they came to Oceanside in my second year there. Uh, you know, was, I, I get it's a different staff, but, you know, you kind of get that when you go out there, you, you, you get off the bus and you hit by this humidity you know the mosquitoes and it's kind of the swamp feel it's definitely a home field advantage for those guys you know because they practice and train out there but you know the fans are pretty it doesn't seem like a 1a school when you look at the size of that stadium and the amount of fans they put in that stadium but uh you really get a a really cool low country vibe man it's kind of tucked in behind the trees there off of main road and man it was such a great experience being out there um you know and, and, and and the youth league Goodness, man, if they could get those guys on the field right before those varsity guys kick off, what an experience for those kids, you know, and their families to kind of see what, you know, the next year and the next year after that is going to be like for those guys. So that would give them something. I think they'd look forward to that all summer. might make them practice and play a little harder just so they know they can show out in front of, you know, in the big stadium in front of the, uh, you know, the varsity squads and all those fans. Yeah, I agree with you, man. We'll recap that interview here in a few. we got to go to break top of the hour. Coming up out of hour one into hour two, we're heading to the track where we're going to be joined for the first time, and I hope of many, with J.J. Yaley coming in here with us from Rick Ware Racing, number 27, will join us next right here on Southern Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Young alongside Eugene Benton, the coach 
is here with us live, coming to you from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios here in Somerville, South Carolina. This segment brought to you by our friends over at Gurns Pharmacy, located at 140 South Main Street in downtown Somerville. You can find them over there on the web at GurnsPharmacy.com, or you can give them a shout at 843-873-2531. And let's turn it up a little bit because we're going to go fast for the next 30 minutes here as we're live with J.J. Yaley, who races with Rick Ware Weight Racing, number 27. What's up there, Mr. J.J.? Uh, not much, just enjoying uh, what looks like another rainy day here in uh, in Charlotte. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, you guys took it to you took it to uh, course uh, Darlington. You brought it back to Charlotte. You can't run from the rain. It looks like, man, it just kind of seems to follow you guys around, huh? No, it definitely has been. I think we were all very, very fortunate to uh, to have been able to uh, get that show in last night. I know that um, I really didn't have a, a lot of faith in the fact that. Uh, you looked at the forecast and then saw, you know, between 70 and 90% chance of rain, pretty much solid all day. And, you know, I left uh, left the house at uh, about 1230 in the afternoon, and I had solid rain all the way to the racetrack. So it uh, it definitely was a surprise to get the opportunity to go out there and race. And, uh, you know, with the conditions being a little bit cooler and, uh, you know, starting later at night, uh, the racetrack had a lot of speed. And, you know, I mean, we... We were unable to get the entire race in, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we got to the checkered flag and uh, had a lot of excitement in between. <laughs> yeah, a lot of excitement there, especially there towards the very end. It kind of felt like NASCAR was definitely back at one point, and, and we may get into that here in, in just a few as well. You've raced at Darlington many times, JJ. You, this is not a new track for you, and of course, uh, without qualifying, right, without practice, and you guys go out there, and, and yet, you haven't raced on it, I'm pretty sure, unless it rained the night before where it looked as clean and clear and gray as it did. Uh, how weird was it when you guys did the first race over there over the weekend and kind of kind of get those white knuckles kind of uh, tightened down a little bit? Uh, you know, uh, Sunday's race was, uh, you know, we've been off for almost two months since uh, our, our racer Phoenix and, uh, you know, to, to be off, you know, like I said, almost two months and fire off, no practice, no qualifying. Uh, at a racetrack that is as tough as Darlington is. I mean, you don't earn uh, the the nicknames that that racetrack has for not being, you know, one of the toughest badass racetracks on our schedule. And, you know, I was a little bit leery and I was, you know, really wasn't sure uh, what to expect. And, uh, you know, the guys at Rick Ware Racing did a great job. Uh, you know, my crew chief, uh, uh, Mr. Hillman, he, he's been doing this for a very, very long time. So, you know, obviously I had a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, and I went off into turn one after taking the green that, uh, you know, the car wasn't going to do anything real crazy. So, you know, we missed just a little bit uh, on our Packer, and, and we're hitting the racetrack pretty heavy um, on the beginning of runs, which, you know, we had a, uh, a caution lap 25 thanks to uh, NASCAR just to give the teams a little time to, you know, make some of those adjustments, not leave us out there for a real long time with ill handling race cars because not having practice. So, uh, you know, we got the thing tuned up. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, we finished uh, 28th in the Jacobs construction car. And, you know, I felt like we were a little bit better than that uh, at different times, but, you know, there's really no place to hide at Darlington. And, uh, you know, once you're getting caught by the leaders and, and you're trying to give them the lane, uh, you know, sometimes you can lose a second to a second and a half a lap, just trying to, to give up that fast lane and get down either to, uh, you know, one lane down and, you know, because that sometimes uh, you kind of forfeit a little bit of track position that can, you know, cost you some positions as the race go through. So, uh, you know, all in all, you know, brought the car back Sunday, 
didn't have but just a tiny scratch on it which uh is a good thing you can have when you leave that place but uh it was uh it was definitely um a little bit different not having fans in the in the grandstands obviously we missed them being there can't wait until we get fans back at our, our venues but you know once we did start your engines got in the race car it was uh you know kind of back to our normal business well, I got to ask you a couple of different questions. You mentioned the fans, and, and I'm pretty familiar with, with with this racetrack over there, of course, at Darlington. I grew up in Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach Speedway, going there, watching a lot of you guys went through that track, you know, on Saturday nights and things like that. And NASCAR's kind of taken a, a little bit of a turn. You don't see the Wilkesboro, you don't see Rockingham. Myrtle Beach announced last week that they're going to be shutting their camp down, you know. And you've seen NASCAR change a lot, JJ. What, what's one of the things when you look at a Darlington track? Because Darlington, my God, it's the Southern 500 for a lot of people. And, you know, they did do away with the, the Labor Day race, and they brought it back. And I'm not sure how this goes now with this new scheduling, just to get things back in the new norm, at least get you on the track. But but where is in your mind, and you've been racing for a long time here with NASCAR, but where do you see NASCAR at, and, and how much do you miss some of those smaller tracks that we used to really kind of look forward to getting to? Well, I mean, I have been, I think this is my 16th season in, in uh, NASCAR, and uh, you know, I, I didn't start quite soon enough to uh, to race at Wilkesboro and uh, you know as a uh, or Rockingham. You know, I've been to Rockingham and watched one of the last Cup races there, and it was a you know a phenomenal facility, great racing. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of our fans would like to see us back at some of those venues, and you know, after uh, you know our little bit of hiatus and and uh, our I Racing Pro Invitational events that kind of filled in in our off time. Uh, you know, that was the final race we did was North Wilkesboro. Uh, courtesy of Dale Jr. and some of the work with those guys at iRacing. So, you know, it, it stirred up a lot of emotions for a lot of people. And, you know, there was a, a lot of buzz about trying to maybe rectify uh, North Wilkesboro to get it back to where we could possibly run there. And, you know, there was all sorts of crazy rumors swirling around as, you know, NASCAR was trying to uh, figure out our scheduling and what was going to work, getting us back to racing, uh, you know, for the short term without fans. And, you know, travel created a lot of issues, um, you know, trying to make one-day events to make it easier for, for keeping the contact between the team members down. So, you know, at one point I heard that there was talks of maybe trying to run a cup race at North Wilkesboro this year and maybe trying to do something uh, at a place like Rockingham. But, um, you know, those those seem to be more of the rumors that, you know, when NASCAR finally kind of got everything figured out that uh, we were going to run the two events at Darlington, and then, you know, we have the two events coming up at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway starting on Sunday, so it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's just a, a sign of the times. You know, things change, unfortunately. Uh, some of the greatest venues that racing happen at, you know, sometimes have to come to a close, so uh, it, it's definitely a shame as, uh, you know, society moves on and there's progress from, you know, housing developments, apartments, malls, whatever it needs to be. It always mm-hmm. uh, it always seems like they need to be built where, uh, where a racetrack uh, is or used to be, so uh, you know, hopefully we'll continue to uh, uh, race at, at, you know, some of these venues that have been around a long time, like Darlington. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly think that, you know, as unfortunate as the, the pandemic has been and, and, you know, obviously Americans have, have been kind of suffering, we've got a, a huge influx of new fans that, you know, maybe wouldn't have watched NASCAR or didn't think much of it or, you know, it's like, oh, they're just cars going around in circles. But, you know, after, you know, being one of the only professional sports that have been back, uh, you know, the numbers have been uh, monstrous on TV and, and hopefully we can kind of get back some of the demographic uh, of the middle age that we were losing to, 
you know, some of the more exotic sports, if it's UFC fighting or uh, some of the others that, uh, you know, were kind of just slowly taking away uh, the uh, the fans that have been supporting NASCAR for a very long time. We're live right now with J.J. Yaley. He's doing this for 16 years in NASCAR. He races right now with the Rick Ware Racing Team, number 27 around the track he goes, and he did it twice in about, what, four days over there at Darlington. Now, the weird thing was watching you guys travel in in your own cars. Now, there could have been car seats in the back where usually your family would come with you. But from my understanding is you guys had to race, you guys drove in from Charlotte. You had to be checked there at the gate. Then you had to come through. You finished. Usually you would stay at a mobile, you, know, you may stay on the infield, but a lot of you guys I know either catch a helicopter ride back or somebody gives you a ride back to your town, usually Charlotte, where the hub for NASCAR is. You know, tell us about some of the new things that you're dealing with as you guys were down there in Darlington. I know the social distancing kind of was a thing, but maybe affected your crew more than you once you got in the car. Uh, and, and it did a little bit. You know, the, uh, there were staggered entry times to keep the amount of people to a minimum as they entered the racetrack. So each team had their own time that they needed to come in. Uh, we did have uh, screening checks to, uh, to make sure that everyone was healthy that was entering the, the racetrack. You know, NASCAR has asked that, uh, you know, the teams uh, go and spray down the equipment before and after to make sure that we're killing all the uh, possible viruses and germs and, and things of that nature with disinfectants. Um, you know, the drivers, we had a window of time that we could arrive. Uh, they had asked us to try to be at the racetrack uh, within, you know, three to four hours before start time in case there was an issue. Uh, and that was more, you know, more safety net for the team owners to, if there was an issue, they could, uh, you know, they could find a replacement driver um, in case. And obviously, that hasn't been an issue. Uh, we had to come alone, uh, could not bring, you know, our, our families with us. So it, it was definitely a, a little bit, I mean, it was certainly different than what we're uh, used to seeing. But, um, you know, obviously all of the uh, the drivers, the owners, the teams are wanting to do everything they can to uh, keep each other safe uh, and and continue to be able to go back to work and put on a great show for our fans uh, to watch on TV. Live right now with J.J. Yaley, 16 years in the NASCAR. He's doing it right now with Rick Ware Racing. The number 27 team uh, had a pretty good show over there at Darlington, the Lady in Black. They say it beats your doors up pretty good. You said you came back with a little scratch. That's, that in itself is a win uh, when you look at it. But let's talk about the difference in racetracks. I'm a little bit, you know, you look at when I worked for Anheuser Busch, the Budweiser team with Dale Jr., of course, he ran around the circles there in that number eight car, and I, I knew a little bit more than than I do now as far as some of the drivers go. Of course, I remember your name very easily because you've been doing it, you know, and doing it well for the last 16 years, JJ. But you know, when you go to a place like Darlington and the setup there at Darlington, the package that you guys put together, and it's pretty interesting to me because they have another car in the back, and you know, some rules have changed on certain things that you could do, and that kind of changed in the last 10 years more than ever. But then you go to a place like, let's say, Talladega. You go to, of course, Daytona, and that era package is a little different there. Tell us the difference, those who are kind of listening maybe to NASCAR for the first time and excited because they've actually had some new stuff to watch, and you guys are getting those new viewers. What is the difference in package, and why do they build the noses a little different at a place like Daytona, in a place like Darlington, or if you even go to Bristol where it's a very small oval that you can't afford to take it towards the back because you'll get lapped pretty quick? Well, I mean, we, uh, you know, we have two different packages now in NASCAR, and that was their goal to uh, make racing better, especially in the mile and a half, which are a majority of our events where aerodynamics are a huge part of, of uh, the speed and, and the difference between being in the front of the field and sometimes the middle of the field. So uh, of that, 
one of the two packages. We have a, a 550 horsepower package that has a ton of downforce. We run very large spoilers, uh, which was a package we ran at Darlington. And, uh, you know, I mean, realistically, they are easier to drive than the cars that we have in the past. And uh, because of the drag and downforce, it makes it easier to run side by side, keep the cars in a pack. Uh, our corner speeds are significantly higher than what they are even when we have more horsepower, but you know our straightaway speeds are a little bit more limited. So the average speed is realistically almost the same, but keeping your momentum up and, and being able to keep your foot on the throttle is definitely key. Um, and when we go to some of the other racetracks that have more power, we have a smaller spoiler, uh, and it makes the cars a little bit more of a handful to drive, and those are usually ones we run on the short tracks, uh, you know, anything that are a mile or shorter. So when we go to a place like Bristol, we're going to have that extra horsepower to help accelerate the cars through the corners. Um, you know, to look at the cars, I mean, they are they are different in the sense of they look closer what the manufacturer cars look like. So, if, you know, if you're a Ford Mustang like uh, I usually am or, you know, the Toyotas or the Chevys, um, you know, they distinguish between the headlights and the way they look. Obviously, the headlights don't work, but they carry the same characteristics of, of the cars that you can go out and purchase on, on Monday after the races are over. So, you know, NASCAR has done whatever they can to create a better show and package for the fans. And, uh, you know, they usually catch a lot of flack for it because we do change our rules quite often. And there are a lot of moving parts that happen uh, in NASCAR. But, you know, their main goal in mind is to uh, put the best uh, the best package they can together for fans to enjoy uh, close racing. This is uh, Coach Benton here. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the, the fans joining in because it's kind of the first sport to start back up. You know, I grew up going to a very small track. Uh, it was the old Somerville Speedway, in, which is near Charleston. Um, never really been a huge fan. I used to build the models when I was a kid. You know, I had the Tide car and the Bud car and those things like that. But um, you were thinking about some of the technical stuff. You mentioned that it was a cooler night and you were able to run faster. I guess I was thinking it would kind of be the opposite. So if you could just uh, kind of educate some of us on some of the stuff like that. Well, you know, it, it, a majority of the asphalt racetracks we go to are racetracks that are very abrasive. Um, when you have cooler temperatures and you don't have that sun beating down on that asphalt, the racetrack just produces a lot more grip, which obviously allows us to go faster. Uh, you know, places that are really hot, it really starts to draw that oil up in the asphalt. And in the racetracks are very slick and we just lose a lot of speed. Um, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, going to Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, next on Sunday for the Coke 600 in a normal situation when we would be practicing in the middle of the day, um, you know, we might be running in the, the high to mid low, you know, to mid high 29 second bracket. You go to qualify five hours later at, you know, seven o'clock at night and you're instantly almost three quarters of a second faster. And it's not just because we're holding the throttle down that much more. It's just the racetrack has that much more grip and allows us to go faster. So, uh, you know, that the speed difference varies based on some of the racetracks and, um, you know, it could be a racetrack like we just left with Darlington where tire wear is very, very big. Um, you know, the racetrack's abrasive, you know, we lose almost a, a full second to a second and a half in, in a in a run of, of 40 laps. So, you know, as a driver, you're always constantly thinking about what you need to do driving to, to change to, to fix that grip. So if it's, you know, letting off the throttle a bit sooner, um, not overdriving the car, 
uh, you're constantly changing what you're doing behind the wheel to adapt to the changes of the tires and the speed that you're going. <laughs> that, that, that actually teaches me a lot. Now, you also mentioned with Darlington is a track that you can't, I think you mentioned the word hide. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you've ever seen an aerial shot of Darlington, uh, it's not a true oval. The turns one and two are significantly uh, more round than the turns three and four. And, and, uh, you know, the story goes in the 50s when they built the racetrack, there was a pond that used to be over there that affected the shape of the racetrack. So you can't run or set your car up for the entire racetrack. One side, you're always going to be good, and you're always going to kind of struggle on the other. Uh, The second part of that is – Darlington from the outside wall to the inside wall is probably the biggest span of any racetrack we go to, but the actual racing surface that is, you know, carries all the speed is, is literally only two lanes wide. Uh, it is a multi-banked racetrack. So that, you know, the bottom 200 feet is, is just an apron that really doesn't do anything. You never go down there. You can't carry any speed down there. So, the, the fast groove is usually right against the fence, and like I said, when when you have a leader coming or whomever it may be, uh, you know, holding them up is never good. It's never good for either one of you because you, you can both lose time, but, uh, you know, I've, I've seen instances where, you know, a faster car catches a slower car, slower car is just going to ride there and try to hold them off, and usually at some point, they're going to use their chrome horn on you and move you out of the, out of the way, so uh, is a car that may be getting lapped, you know, trying to give up that fast groove to preserve, you know, your best lap time and letting them go uh, is almost an art in itself. And, and like I said, a place like Darlington, uh, a place like Bristol, it's tough to just find a place to either pass or, or get past without giving up too much time. So, uh, like I said, there's there's an art to passing. There's actually an art to uh, making sure you don't lose too much lap uh, lap times while you're uh, racing with a competitor. Now, and I know you mentioned you raced with Ford. Uh, we were watching, we were on the show, we were watching the race, you know, the, the live feed on our uh, computers here during the uh, during the show. And at early on, or about midway through the race, I think there was about 120 laps left. It might have been, you know, the last year. Uh, the cars had like five in the top 12. You know, and then, and then when the, the final lap came on and, and the race was over, it ended up being like one in the top 20. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, because... Uh, you know, I was just, uh, it intrigued me just because, you know, I grew up with it's always either, you know, the Fords or the Chevys, you know, with some of the Dodges and some of the Mopar stuff back then. But, you know, just seeing the Toyota cars, and like I said, they, they seem to be doing well. But then all of a sudden, those last hundred laps, you just kind of saw them kind of drift back. Is, you got any thoughts on that? Well, you know, our sport, it's hard to really dictate too much off the manufacturers. It mostly ends up being with the teams. Uh, you know, the, the Joe Gibbs racing teams are pretty much the entire Toyotas that are going to be in the field. And then, you know, you look at the Fords, you, you're going to break that up between a couple of different teams. If it's uh, Roush or if it's Stuart Haas or if it's going to be Penske. And usually if there's one car that's very fast, the entire team or organization is going to be very fast. And I think you saw that at the beginning of the race last night that, you know, Kevin Harvick was the fastest car pretty much the entire day on Sunday, won the race. Uh, yesterday's event, it was Kevin Harvick and uh, Clint Boyer, both from Stuart Haas Racing. So it, it goes with, you know, whatever that setup that they had that was, you know, fit the day on Sunday. You know, they, I'm sure they right. kind of adapted that and, and, and share that information with the rest of the organization to make those cars that strong. So usually if you see one up there, they're all going to be really close. So 
Um, you know, a lot of strategy happened last night's race. Uh, you know, there were some guys that pitted early to get track position, and then a cost came out, and then the other guys that stayed out had to come get tires. And, you know, ultimately I think that put Denny Hamlin out front, which if we would have made it to the end of the race, I don't think he really had much of a chance of winning. But uh, the way the, you know, the way everything happened with uh, Kyle Busch getting into Chase Elliott causing the wreck, the lengthy uh, caution trying to get the, the cars cleaned up and get the track back into racing conditions, start sprinkling as raining. You know, Denny Hamlin's sitting pretty because, you know, from what I understand, he was out of tires and, and didn't have the option to even pit. So they played a strategy, uh, stuck to it, and uh, luckily for them, Mother Nature uh, gave him a victory. I have one more uh, technical question and just uh, kind of get your thoughts on that. You had mentioned the 550-horsepower car has a smaller spoiler. Uh, can, could you explain to someone like me, you know, why that is? Because uh, I would imagine the spoiler kind of pushes you down, so you'd be kind of lower. You know, I just think, you know, that would make, just obviously make you faster. You'd have a lower center of gravity and, and less wind resistance. And uh, which, which package is your favorite to drive? Well, that well, I mean, that's backwards. So the the 550 package with the less horsepower has the bigger spoiler, so that creates more drag and downforce, and then we have the lack of speed because of the less horsepower. Um, 550 is your smaller the, version. I didn't know that. The, yeah, that, that was the, the bigger. Yeah, one. the 550 horsepower is where we run the largest spoiler that uh, that we run during the season. The 750 horsepower package, which we run on the shorter tracks, the mile the miles and smaller. Uh, we run a, a, the, the smallest spoiler we have. So, you know, that's to allow the cars to really slip around, slip and slide. And because the speeds are down, the arrow's not quite as important. Um, you know, obviously the teams and engineers work very hard to create downforce without increasing drag by, you know, going through the wind tunnels and, and using the technology that they have available to them. Uh, you know, for me, I really don't mind either one of them because, you know, I'm a, a big fan of the new 550 package. It's helped kind of create uh, a little bit more even playing field between the big teams and the small teams. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, Rick, we're racing. They, uh, we are a four-car team now, but you know, we certainly don't have the uh, the resources that some of the bigger teams have from uh, uh, you know the manufacturers or the large sponsors they have. So it's uh, it's been a good change, and like I said, we continue to uh, put our best foot forward and, and try to make the improvements that we can so we can, uh, you know, slowly, incrementally be um, more competitive on a weekly basis. We're live right now with J.J. Yaley. He's been doing NASCAR 16 years in the making. He's currently racing with Rick Ware Racing, number 27. Uh, around the track he goes and educating not only your listeners, maybe for the first time, but Eugene Benton for the first time. Uh, J.J., he's not – he hadn't followed a lot of NASCAR. When I told him I had you on, of course, we're all excited because, man, you're an icon. You're one of the legendary guys in NASCAR now, and you've seen a lot of guys come and go, but when I mentioned your name, man, it, it blew up on social media. So I want to personally thank you for your time away from your family and, and to be a part of my dream of getting guys like you in here and just educate the listeners, man, because NASCAR is a, it's a good, clean, wholesome sport. It's a family sport. I tell people it's like potluck around the track from the infield to the outfield, and everybody out there, everybody kind of shares, you know, their, uh, their tailgating experience. And, and like you said at the earlier part of this interview, I can't wait to get them back, and we're, we're coming. We're, we're going to be there as well. Um, matter of fact, the guy I think that drives your hauler is, uh, is a good friend of mine, Jake Shelton, of course. Uh, I worked with him in the beer business back in the day. He looks like an MMA fighter, doesn't he? 
<laughs> yeah, he does. He definitely looks like one of the uh, the you know you're not your definitely not your typical uh, hauler <laughs> truck type of driver. But uh, yeah, it's um, you know we're definitely looking forward to having our fans back, and, and that's what makes our sport uh, so special. You know, if it's the uh, the families right. that come out and they bring their RV and they camp in the infield and they make you know it's not a matter of just coming to like a football game where you tailgate for you know, a half a day or a full day, you know, our fans will show up on a Thursday and they're there through the entire weekend and, you know, they'll leave Monday morning after the races are over. So, you know, we appreciate the effort that, that they put forth and, you know, the racetracks have done a really good job to help make it more exciting. I know like when we go to Pocono, Pennsylvania and we race there, uh, you know, they have concerts, they've built playgrounds, they have a lot of interaction for the fans to do, you know, in the, in the dead time of, of when there's not practice or racing going on, uh, you know, the drivers spend a lot of time going out doing Q and A's and autograph sessions. And, you know, the, uh, your typical NASCAR driver being a professional athlete, you know, it's easier uh, at a racetrack to see us or, you know, maybe get an autograph or ask a question. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a sports fan, but I know that if you go to a, an MLB game or NFL game, you're never going to get that close to the superstars of the sport where you can do that in NASCAR. So, you know, I, I can be a little bit biased, but I mean, that's the reality of it. There's a lot more access uh, at our, our venues than some of the other professional sports. Yeah, no doubt about it. Being a part of the Budweiser team, the sporting side of Budweiser when I was with anheuser Bush here out of Charleston, and I got a chance to work with the Charlotte guys and so on and so forth in Atlanta, uh, it, it, I think you guys kind of created the fan experience, and, and now you've seen other uh, sports kind of take on that deal. And uh, I, I personally saw it with NASCAR firsthand. Uh, one thing before I get you out of here, how do you remember all the sponsors, man? Is there ever a time you got to go through your jacket, you, you, through, your, through your fire suit, and make sure you didn't leave anybody off? I think that's one of the funniest things that people who don't watch NASCAR, they're, they're pretty amazed that you guys don't – you never leave anybody off when it comes to that sponsor on the ride. Well, I mean, without the sponsors, I mean, they're certainly the lifeblood of our, of our sport. And, uh, you know, for, for myself and, and Rick, we're racing it. It's sometimes it can be tough because we, we definitely have a lot of different sponsors on our car throughout the, uh, throughout the year. Uh, you know, we're usually chasing after, you know, the hopes of finding that one big fish that we're able to put on the car and really support, uh, the entire year. But, uh, you know, that, uh, is, is tough. And, We'll continue to, you know, chase sponsorship and, and do what we can to put them on the car. You know, we've had some great partners uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, I actually just closed a program today for the guys at uh, Veteran Community Project, which is a great uh, veteran-run program that uh, does housing for veterans in Kansas City, and they're looking to expand uh, more into uh, 10 different national markets that have decided to come to be on uh, my car for the Coke 600 Memorial Day weekend. So, uh, you know, looking for different synergies and really trying to give a, a great program to uh, some some companies out there looking for, you know, the exposure and access that you get with our sport. But uh, it is tough sometimes to remember exactly everybody. You don't want to leave them off because uh, that's the first thing you hear about as soon as you get uh, back to the shop on Monday. No doubt about it. JJ, again, thank you so much. You gave me 28 solid minutes. You educated me more than I knew, more than I thought I knew. And of course, uh, all of our listeners, uh, for what you guys do day in and day out, it's a very long sport. I think it starts in February, ends now, and if not December, close enough to December. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost like a traveling show week after week, weekend after week, and you guys are out there doing what you're doing. And uh, even you saw Ryan Newman. God bless him for getting back out on the track. I remember Steve Parks was part of a nasty wreck at that same Darlington Raceway years ago. 
So uh, thank you for what you do. And, and uh, if you ever get a chance, we can ever get you back in here, man. We'd love to keep up with you guys and just help grow that sport of NASCAR and what you guys are doing, man. Certainly, certainly. It's been a pleasure. It's been uh, been nice being on with you guys. You guys can have me back on. We'll keep your fans uh, updated on what's going on in the world of NASCAR uh, throughout the year. That'd be fine. That'd be great. All right, Jay. Thank you very much, man. Uh, love on your family. Enjoy it, and we'll see you back out on the track here next couple of days, man. Enjoy the weekend. All right, you betcha. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. First of many visits from the one and only J.J. Yaley. 16 years in NASCAR. He's been uh, running around with Rick Ware Racing. i say that slowly. It's a tongue twister. Number 27 uh, on the track there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Why not give him a nice little theme song here as uh, Old Town Road? Why not? We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. We'll recap all the interviews up to this point. Coming out of break, guys. Be right back. everybody. I'm Rich Yellman here live on Southern Sports Central. Alongside the coach Eugene Benton, of course, want to thank uh, J.J. Yaley, the first time a NASCAR, I'm talking big time NASCAR drivers, joined us here on Southern Sports Central. He's been doing that thing 16 years. Around and around he goes uh, for the uh, the sport, of course, uh, that started us, I guess, kind of back up and running. Even though Vince McMahon and the WWE still kind of doing their thing, and of course 
MMA has been kind of quietly doing their thing. But when it comes to one of the major sports, NASCAR is up and running. Not one, but two NASCAR events in uh, Darlington. They got two coming up in Charlotte. That's kind of fitting with it being Memorial Day. Uh, you know, they usually, I think, race around Memorial Day at Dar- in, in uh, Charlotte. And, of course, I know Fourth of July is another one, I think, is when they usually get over there. Now, I'll bring Eugene back in here with us. First of all, man, uh, he's already welcome to come back, and he, he opened that and said, yep, I'm definitely going to come back. You need me, give me a holler. But what a great interview, and uh, it's just good to hear the excitement there. And I think what's kind of got some people involved, and, and we didn't kind of get into it because I didn't want to not have anything to talk to him when we get him back, but, and you kind of touched on a little bit, is the fact that, you know, with the, the that Internet racing, right, that they kind of did in between the start and stop of NASCAR here in the couple of months that they took away from the sport is that now individuals, gamers, if you will, that may not have liked NASCAR, but yet saw an opportunity to be uh, to beat one of the best of the best, right? I mean, you saw that to where I think now you're going to see that help grow NASCAR in maybe some areas that might not have had that had COVID-19 not taken place, Eugene. Yeah, that's what, you know, and we touched on that because even even someone like myself, you know, you, you and I, you know, I told him we had it on during the show and we were following along. It's kind of like, you know, I just need sport. <laughs> and, uh, so, and so I'm, on, I'm kind of like going, okay, it, it just kind of piqued my interest, like I was talking about with him, about the different manufacturers. It's pretty interesting to hear him say that, you know, while there's a Toyota, a Ford, and a Chevrolet out there, there's not a lot of difference in the car, even though there's a different manufacturer. It all it really has to do with teams. And, you know, and I guess, you know, that kind of can be said about a lot of sports. Um, you know, sometimes it's how well a team gels. It's how well, right. you know. It's their coach, even though they could have great athletes, you know, which I guess could be equated to, you know, a great core. But uh, a lot of it just, like you said, just comes down to how it's run. And, uh, you know, so it's pretty interesting. Like, I feel like I learned a lot just some of the tech questions about, you know, the temperatures and the different type of track and how heat will make the oil rise up. And, you know, and when he, I really thought the 550 horsepower was uh, – was the man, you know, the, the horse, and uh, he was like, nah. You know, he kind of laughed about that and was like, no, we have a 750-horsepower package. And so, you know, I, was, uh, I guess one of the other questions I would ask him was like, you know, how fast have you been? Because, uh, you know, that's kind of, like I said, that part, is, he kind of educated me. And, you know, as, as someone who uh, is not real familiar with the sport, um, when you educate folks, you know, I guess that's what he does. You know, he grows his fans. You know, people support him because – He's out here educating people, and they're like, wow, this guy taught me this and started following this course. So, you know, as an ambassador for the sport, which, you know, most athletes are for their sport, uh, it's pretty cool just to get that information and, you know, just kind of have that conversation. It seems like a real uh, down-to-earth dude. And, you know, and then I looked him up and come to find out he's actually a year younger than us. <laughs> you know, he's out here making making a, a big money and driving cars, and he's pretty famous, and uh, that's pretty cool, too. But, uh, yeah, it was very informative, to say the least. Yeah, J.J. Yaley's been around, and I keep hyping on the 16 years because, you know, you don't look on the track anymore and see an Earnhardt. You don't look on the track anymore and see a Rusty Wallace. And I'm talking to NASCAR people who are familiar with the sport. And you don't see, of course, uh, Jeff Gordon out there. Those are names that you've you've always heard and seen. And, of course, Andretti's another famous name. And now the Andretti name goes through – you know, so, so many things. Walter, you know, Daryl Walter, Michael Walter. You know, those are two brothers that used to do their things. There's so many guys who that, that they were the guys who built NASCAR. You know, NASCAR, of course, is is part of you know an old rich tradition that they used to run. I think was it whiskey or 
or, or you know, what have you there. Again, I, I don't have all the history books here. We got listeners that, that do listen here that are big NASCAR guys, so you can call in right now, 323-784-9681. You can call and talk NASCAR with us for the next 30 minutes. You can talk football, softball, base, basketball, badminton. You want to get in here and talk some uh, water polo, whatever, you know, because it's just fun to talk about something other than COVID-19. That's my thing, right? I mean, that to me is, is kind of the fun thing. I don't watch a whole lot of news thanks to social media and, and, and my, my, my alerts. I kind of get all the updates I ever needed from, from the updates there. But when it comes down to this sport, and you mentioned it, J.J. Daly is the exact same as I think most NASCAR drivers are. They're very family-oriented. They're very interactive. You don't get any closer to any other sport. You might get closer than you used to to NFL. You might get closer than you used to to, to baseball. And you think about the game days, and, and you think about social medias and things like that, or even let's go SEC media days to some degree. Maybe not. Maybe go to the SEC championship, the ACC championship, where they have fanfare, right? Fanfare, really honestly, I'm going to tell you, it began more than anywhere else in NASCAR. NASCAR has always opened their doors. They've always opened their opportunities. They've always given the, the opportunity for their fans to be up close and personal to their pit crew. I mean, you get an infield pass, man, you're living, walking, talking with anybody in NASCAR, and I'm talking like owners. Joe Gibbs, yeah. former Redskins football coach. You're, you're, you're going to walk right by him, and he's going to look at you and say, hey, man, how you doing? Like he's known you for 20 years. Or any other guy like Roger Penske. You know, those guys who built that industry. Yeah, and if you think about it, uh, when you get that infield pass or, or, or you have that experience, you know, you can walk through there and you can walk right up and put your hands on the hood of the actual car that's going to be on the race and get your picture taken, you know, with your cell phone or whatnot or, and with the driver, you know, and, and that's right before the race. If you, you're not going to get that experience, you're not going to be able to go up, you know, the, you know, a couple hours or, or the morning before the Super Bowl and get a picture holding like, you know, the game ball and get your picture taken with Tom Brady. That's not going to happen, you know. And so NASCAR gives you that experience of going up there and seeing and, and standing beside the athletes, hearing the pit crews talk, you know. You'll see them, you know, I've, I've seen some of the – Shows where, you know, they're rolling out tires and they're checking this and they're checking that. And you're not going to get that. And like I said, there's no way a day of a, a Super Bowl or a World Series or NBA championship that you're going to be able to walk onto the court, you know, and, and, and hold a basketball, shake a hand or, or anything like that. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent as you kind of, you know, get into a lot of detail in NASCAR. And, and there's just there's a lot of things, packages, you know, you, you go to, to, the to of course, the, the models. Remember. Toyota wasn't always even in NASCAR. Toyota's kind of a, a foreign language to NASCAR. Now you look at them, and they're leading the way. He said it earlier. When one team kind of gets it going, the rest of the team kind of follows. It was that way, of course, with Kyle Busch last night. It was that way with, uh, of course, Kevin Harvick on Sunday. Kevin Harvick led most of the race. He won the race. Kyle Busch, I don't really agree with how he won the race, and he can tell us what he wants to tell us. It was an accident. Yeah, okay. Doubt it. Don't think it was an accident at all. He knows it wasn't an accident, but politically correct. He doesn't want to talk about another big name, Chase Elliott. Of course, you know who his grandfather is, raced in that McDonald's uh, Ford forever. But he, of course, gave him the middle finger at the end of the race or towards the end of the race. That changes everything. Dynamics of the race is aero package. You go through wind. You go through weather. You ask a question with him. Of course, you sent me the message on why does the temperature hold certain things. If the car's running hot, what do you do? Well, you want to run up and go right up under them to take the air 
often – well, or maybe it's not that way. I, I, I may have it twisted a little bit because, again, I haven't followed NASCAR in about four or five years. When Dale Jr. kind of got out of Budweiser, you know, I kind of fell back out of it. And, of course, I left the Anheuser-Busch family as well. That being said, you look at what they do at Talladega, at Daytona. It's a completely different package than what they would take to Bristol or Martinsville. Martinsville and Bristol are very similar. Daytona, completely different. You look at speedways, like it's the most boringest race in the world. Some say all races are born, but I'm going to tell you Texas may get that trophy. It is something they just go round and round and round, and nobody really changes the lead. You ask the question about hiding. There is no place to hide at Bristol. There is no place to hide at Darlington. You can't hide at Martinsville. Short track racing, if you get to the back, more chances of you getting lost in the back, pretty good. Getting lapped in the back, guaranteed. If you go to a place like, say, Darlington, it, it's going to happen. But if you go to Daytona or you go to Talladega, what do they see? And, again, I know you probably watch some of those restrictor plate races, Eugene, but they get to the back of the track, they get to the back of the group, they hide back there for the big race, that big wreck, you know, the one that they're always waiting on. And then they make their way to the front. And in a track like Daytona and like Talladega, it takes you about five to nine seconds to go from the front to the back. And it looks like a snake, like that little video game with the snake kind of goes in and out where the guy starts at the back and the more cars they get lined up, the faster they go. Yeah, and, you know, you were talking about these tracks. You know, Talladega is just Talladega. That's the one that, you know, even when I was at Mississippi State, everybody, whether you're a racing fan or not, it was kind of load up in the car and we'll drive over or we'll hit 82 to Tuscaloosa and jump on Highway 20. Um, and now, actually, because of the Mercedes and things like that, the last time I was through that way, they actually cut down the trees so you can actually see part of it from Highway 20. But, um, you know, and the one thing, I guess, the, the one track, and, and I don't really want to speak negatively, but the one track I just didn't understand or why they added that or, or was the one, and I believe it's in California, and that one has all the left and the right. And it's kind of the, the winding snake thing, and the cars don't go as fast because, to me, you know, the sport, we all know how the sport was founded. It was founded off of bootlegging, be able to, you know, build the biggest, fastest car to outrun the cops when you were running shine. You know, and so, you know, I guess just the whole winding thing down the road and, and going, you know, not as fast just just doesn't do it for me. You know, I want to see 200 miles an hour, and I want to see, like, you know, when he mentioned that, um, you know, in, in the size of that turn in uh, Darlington, it was kind of like, you know, Okay, so that's part that's interesting to me is when guys are at 200 miles an hour and they go the, uh, the what they call the three and the four wide, you know, because that's kind of cool because somebody coming out of that turn is either going to keep their foot on the gas or somebody's going to take their foot off. And it's always almost like that game of chicken coming out. See, see who comes first. And so that to me is kind of uh, the exciting thing because it's kind of like the, the strategy and the poker and just kind of see who's got the uh, the cojones to uh, – keep your foot on the gas. So, you know, when I'm watching these things and um, you mentioned the one in Bristol, that's the one in Tennessee up in, up in the mountains. Uh, that one's also now used as a, a for to host a football game uh, because I think it's something like it holds something like 120,000 or something, you know, and, you know, I saw a picture of what someone in the stands looking down on that turn on the highest turn. And it's almost like you're looking straight down from a 14 story building. So when they go and it, you can't really tell that when you're watching it on TV. So, you know, I guess to get the experience, I really just need to uh, find my way to some of these tracks and actually go, go see it. Yeah. You talked about the left to the right, to the right, to the left course, Sonoma comes to mind and those are called road courses. 
Eugene, <laughs> like you would normally drive on the road, a road course. They have one in New York. They have one in California. But I like those. I used to hate them, man. I used to couldn't stand them. But I don't like those tracks nearly as much as I don't like California's other tracks. It's, a mile and, it's like a mile and a half long. You talk about Bristol Motor Speedway where they had Tennessee play in there and they pack out these stadiums. And it's an impact that, that you can't get on. But, you know, those stadiums like Bristol, like Darlington, where they jam-pack you in like sardines, if you will, that's, that's going to be a little different now going forward. I mean, even in church now, these mega churches, how are they going to have services? Are they going to – no way they get two or three away. They're already doing that now. They're going to have to go to five or six. And I'm talking seats in between Saturday and Sunday. NASCAR is going to have to do the same thing. Matter of fact, good segue here, 20000 to 50000 is what uh, I believe – the Ohio State president thought that he would end up seeing in his stadiums. Over there, I think it's the horseshoe, right? I think it's a horse, but it's not a shoe. I don't think that's uh, it's, it's, it's the horseshoe, and it's about 100, it's 110,000 on the books. It's called the horseshoe. I'll actually be there in three weeks, so I'll, I'll send you a report. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, we were talking about now that you, you've kind of switched over a little bit to the football stuff. Um, I'm not sure if you got a chance to read that text I sent you earlier from uh, one of the reports is about the Power Five schools. You know, if that's the chance that they're going to lose $4 billion just from the Power Five schools, something tells me money's going to push that. But um, and, and the other part of that was that 41% of the Power Five schools would not be able to float their programs um, without butts in the seat. So I'm sure they're fine trying to find ways. But you know, actually something that came out late yesterday <clears throat> kind of tied it into this was uh, the CDC guidelines for going back to school. They're talking about putting one child per seat on a bus and skipping a row. So you're talking about some buses that are already kind of overcrowded and putting maybe 15, 20 kids on a bus total. Uh <laughs> You know, if, if that's going to be the same thing that, uh, you know, college sports and professional sports are going to have to follow, I, you know, that that's going to be tough. And, you know, so what do they do? You know, who, who I'd hate to be the quote-unquote decider on that because, you know, you're at least – take, for example, a school like South Carolina or in Alabama or Florida. You know they at least have 20,000 fans that are mega donors, that, you know, the full scholarship donors that have been donating for 20, 30 years. They're probably not going to tell those folks they don't have a seat. So then you've got to have your high school relations tickets, you know, for the high school coaches. You've got to have all the uh, tickets for the recruits and for their parents. So that's three per recruit that comes in. And every you've been to a lot of college. You've been on recruiting visits with me where we've had kids there. You know, these are that's a lot of that's a lot of tickets, a lot of seats. So then you start looking at, well, the normal Joes, the guys that just you know buy the the, the couple tickets or the packages for their family each year. You know, they don't necessarily have or, or can't donate in the, you know, buy the tickets plus the extra $5,000 or whatever. So are they just going to be left out? But then again, you know, they, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to make that decision. It's just, you know, it, it's going to be bad for somebody. I just feel like, you know, in the world of business, it's going to come down to uh, the folks that buy just, you know, the regular season tickets and the little passes. Yeah, I agree with you, man. You know, the thing is, I think they're going to have, and, and I talked to the uh, a former basketball coach at Somerville last night. We were kind of getting into things. Coach Elliott, who, by the way, is a, a driving coach here in Somerville, and uh, we're going to get some information out starting on Sunday with him 
on uh, if you're looking for somebody, teacher, young man or a woman, or maybe you, how to drive, <laughs> we're going to hook you up with some information there as far as uh, that goes. Now, that being said, we talked last night. He's a teacher as well over at Somerville. And he said, Rich, you know, the buses is one question, but when they get in the hallways, you know, these kids huddle up, man. You know, the guys are, are, are with their girls and the girls are laying on their guys. Who's going to monitor all that? The teachers have enough trouble now keeping these kids separated. In a school like Somerville, second largest school in the state, or Wando that's as big as some colleges across the country, or dormant. You know, you're just talking about the top three largest schools in our state. Who's going to help monitor that? These kids it's in their blood to kind of gel together. I mean, even, even on Saturdays when I have a couple of kids, you know, we're socially distancing ourselves over to Hagen working out, you know, the football players, you know, these kids, I have to always blow the whistle, man. I feel like I'm that guy and I don't want to be that guy, but they just don't, they forget short-term memory. Again, that's, that's, that's what they're going to deal with. So, you know, I just don't see it happening. I don't know. I don't want to be negative Nancy on the air because I don't want to say, Gosh, because if they don't go to school, they don't go to games. They don't go to practice. They don't open the schools. They don't open the hallways. They just don't play sports, you know, and I don't think there's any way around it. I wish I wish there was, though. I really do. I wish there well, was a way that they could do because, you know, homeschool, real quick, homeschool, you know, they, they're homeschooled, but they're allowed to play at their target school that they, are in, that they are geographically assigned to, correct? So it could happen. I just think that we could – there is a way. I do think that there is a way that they could still, if they were taught, if they were homeschooled, Eugene, that there is a way that we could still get these seasons underway. Because I, I understand that some people it's just the game, but the, for some of these people, for some of these athletes, and I'm not talking just football, we'll go track and field for the Olympics. We'll go softball to the Olympics. We'll talk about multiple sports, men and women, that God brought them on this earth to play sports, to be that Olympic star, to be that NFL major league sport, be a WNBA you're going to cut into that if we don't find a way. Things We may have to do some things. We may have to, you know, it, it's a lot easier to check these athletes as they come to the field houses Monday through Friday for practice individually than it's going to be to get these four and five, eight individually student after student after student, even if they're homeschooled, Eugene. I just, I hope that the state's looking into other possibilities instead of canceling the season because, again, this is going to get taken care of once we have some type of a, a remedy or, or vaccination. Yeah. But until then, we have to find another way. It just can't be no sports with no school. Well, take a look. Um, while you were doing one of the earlier interviews, I posted on our Twitter page uh, the Georgia High School League just released. They're starting back uh, June 8th, I believe it says on the document, and actually released a set of guidelines. Uh, they're going to allow folks back into the weight room. I'm sure our good friends over there with the Saints are uh, already getting their uh, their cleaning staff ready to go because, uh, you know, and, and it said actually 20, the max is going to be 20, and that includes uh, students and coaches. However, what one thing I thought was interesting, if you're a coach and you're, uh, let's say you are uh, the running backs coach and the wide receiver coach and uh, the offensive line coach, and you're working out with 17 kids, you know, maybe let's just say offensive kids, and you do a workout in the weight room and you do strength and conditioning. You are not allowed to then go strength and condition and in the weight room with the defensive kids. You can only stick with that group of 17 kids. If you look at the document, it's pretty interesting, and that's what Georgia has released uh, as their tentative rules for starting uh, strength and conditioning. There will be no balls touched, no equipment touched. It's only conditioning and some weight room stuff. 
Um, it doesn't it doesn't really have deadlines on it yet, but anyway, uh, I screenshot the whole document and it's uh, featured on our Twitter page now. They're gonna have to. I mean, that, that they're gonna have to put rules in place. The state of South Carolina, to the state of Georgia, to the state of Florida, and, and I'm gonna tell you something else. What they are doing by the state of Florida, California, and Texas opening up the way they are. California, not so much, but Texas and Florida for sure. South Carolina for sure. Georgia for sure. They're going to monitor to see how much an effect this has. And I'm going to tell you where I live at. Here's Somerville, South Carolina. The, the rate has gone down tremendously. They haven't had a case in quite some time, and death hasn't been a conversation. So it's working. It is working. Now, on another side note, if you decide to go somewhere this weekend, it is Memorial Day weekend. Take common sense with you. You know, there was a rule when you grew up, and mom would put you in the car. She'd say, you best be on your best behavior. Or you best know that when you get home, I'm aware, yeah. Well, that still goes as an adult. When you go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I get tired of people telling me it's the Redneck Riviera. It's the trashiest place on earth. It's because of people that visit there. It's not the people there. The videos that you saw on social media were not people that live in Myrtle Beach. The shootings that you saw on two different avenues were not people from Myrtle Beach. Those are people that visit Myrtle Beach that bring their drama and other things that I won't mention on air and leave it there. And that ain't Vegas. And if Vegas is cool with it, that's fine. But the problem is, is that you go to Myrtle Beach, they're opening up the venue, by the way, this weekend, okay? Theme parks are opening up this weekend. I hope and pray that they get what they need out of Myrtle Beach when it comes to the officials who are, I think, prematurely opening this up a little bit too fast. Because you saw the action on social media, you've seen all the comments on social media, but the reality part, when I've got family members that live up in Southside, I've got family members that live down towards Georgetown and all the way up in towards North Myrtle Beach and all around. And I'm going to tell you something. These are people that at this point, because of how they saw some of the reaction, they're not leaving their yard. They've become prisoners in their own town. That's not cool. So if you're going to travel, if you come to Charleston, where I live, you decide to roll through Somerville, just bring your manners with you. Six feet. That's a rule. I got a bubble. Stay out of my bubble. And at the end of the day, you all, we, as a, we all can get along. We can get this. We can get through this. But if we think by any stretch of the imagination that we can go back to hugging and kissing and high-fiving and up in people's mouths, which it should be anyway, because it's quite gross, it ain't going to get any better. I can tell you this. I've been on Folly Beach for the last week. Very proud of those on Folly Beach. Social distance is a real thing. And I can tell you something. It can be done. But just be careful. That ocean is huge. The sand is forever and ever and ever. Find you a spot. If you got to put your little flag around you, kind of get yourself your little area, do what you got to do. And I know it seems kind of hideous or kind of, kind of uh, a, a bit much, but I would rather deal with this and gradually get into this rather than deal with this and this thing explodes because that's my concern is that the first wave we got was like a tremor. The next one's the earthquake. Or better yet, Eugene, think about a tsunami, right? I don't want the tsunami effect to happen come August, September. And imagine if this thing did happen in November when we had football. And I'm talking NFL, college, NBA, all three full-fledged right now. And I totally agree with you. And I agree that, you know, the fear is that, you know, we seem to have avoided that uh, the huge spike. We were able to uh, – what they were saying back in March was to keep the curve – 
sort of level. And that was to keep, you know, the hospitals from getting overcrowded and, and things like that where they couldn't deal with it and then it would spread. And then you got, you know, masses of people who aren't able to get any medical care. Uh, and it seems, you know, for the most part from all the statistics that I've seen is that we were able to flatten that curve successfully. Uh, I know there are people who, you know, either were very, very ill or, or knew someone who was ill or even lost someone. And, you know, to them, th th there's no um, – there was no good to come out of it, you know, that they, they were hurt and they lost someone that they, they cherished and loved, you know, because of this virus. Um, but for, you know, the millions and millions and millions, it, you know, it just seemed to, uh, we were able to kind of stave off, you know, this massive, uh, like you say, tsunami. Uh, if you looked at the curves and, you know, they were just afraid that, you know, April was just going to be this huge, swing in, in the curve and that and there was just going to overpower the medical care providers there was just going to be people without care and then that was just going to make it worse and it was going to spread even further so it looks like we were successful in that um you know and, and i get and understand the fear of you know with people say no we're going back too soon uh you know we can't do this we need to stay down a little bit longer um but there's also some other things coming into play you know for those that believe, you know, the doctors and, and medical experts that say heat helps to stave this thing off and fight it off, you know, so, you know, getting the getting people out at this time of year might, you know, the timing might be just be better to do that as opposed to, you know, if we were into the the winter sports and it being January. So, but anyway, you know, you know I guess it's almost like you have to now say, all right, now, you know, the, these things are opening back up and we're going to start moving ahead wait and see you know and so I, I do think that a lot of people even though that they're going to go out and do things it's going to be i think more people are going to be cautious than want to say you know i'm not saying people are there are going to be scared but i think more people are going to be at least cautious enough um and also too i'll, I'll say this that georgia uh one thing that they did note and i meant to say this earlier is that uh for, for the summer conditioning they, they've made it uh strictly voluntary the coaches will not be allowed to, um, I guess, keep keep track of the, the weight room and see who shows up just because they don't want to, I guess, give the impression that, you know, athletes, you know, that kids or, or families have to force athletes to or, or to feel like they're compelled to attend, you know, these uh, strength and conditioning things. So, um, you know, we, we're still probably going to see some, some low numbers, I would imagine. Eugene, I would totally agree with you. We have somebody hanging out with us, by the way, at the 843-408 number. Let's see who's with us, though. Welcome to Southern Sports Central. Who's with us? All right. Well, just like that, they're gone. So we will do this. We'll be gone. We're going to take a break because when we come back, we're going to be joined by a former Gamecock and a big-time name in the state of South Carolina. That's right. The one and only Casey Crosby is going to join us next right here on Southern Sports Central. He's the newest member of Coach Call's staff over at Oceanside, and we cannot wait to get that interview up and running here as you're listening to Southern Sports Central 2 in the book. One on the way, guys. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern Sports Central live here at the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios coming to you live in Somerville, South Carolina. Don't forget the factory and the boys and girls 
They're up and working out. They got it happening right now. So if you want to get over there and get back in that shape, I tell you what, Monday had to look every bit of January 1-ish, if you know what I mean, as far as people saying, I'm going to work out. So for the next two or three weeks, if you just want to wait a little bit, I'm sure to thin out by a month from now, that'll be back to the normal. But don't wait. Get in there. Hang out with them. You can give them a shout at 843-573-7391. That's the number to call in. You can locate them over in Hanahan at 5913 Loftus Road in Hanahan, South Carolina. Again, it is uh, a great group of guys and girls. We're going to do the show live. Eugene, by the way, meet you Sunday at the factory. We're going to do a live show on, uh, mm-hmm. on the property over there with the guys. So you'll be, uh, you'll awesome. be excited about that. Oh, so without further ado, let's head over to the uh, to the hotline, and that is the Tent Farm Hotline. As um, we are live right now with the one and only Casey Crosby. What's up, Casey? How you doing? We're good, buddy. So uh, first of all, I appreciate the conversation earlier today. I enjoyed hanging out with you. Just kind of getting a chance to talk to you since your days with South Carolina. Of course, uh, you, you were able to get up to a camp up there with the New York Giants, and uh, the experience there alone had to be something that you'll remember the rest of your life, and uh, as you kind of put things in perspective, man, uh, kind of give us a bio, man, from your days in high school, playing for a famous guy that you knew a little bit closer than others, and through all the way to get recruited by the old ball coach, man, in your days in South Carolina, and of course, where you are now, and where you're going uh, here in the next few days. Oh, man, everything's been great. You know, I started off, uh, I was a four-star out of high school. Um, I had a couple, I started getting offers in the ninth grade. You know, this offer started picking up for me. I always, I've always played for my dad and my uncle. They were both my coaches in high school. It was three-time All-State. You know, I had a chance to play in the Under Armour game. I had a chance to play in the Shrine Bowl. Um, I mean, then I got to – I ended up weighing my options down to North Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, and Alabama. Those were my last five choices, and I ended up choosing South Carolina. Uh, getting it, Playing uh, my first two years for Coach – Coach Spray was great. I mean, he's a legend. He's always going to be a legend. I'm glad I got a chance to be under uh, a team that he was head coach of. And uh, I went through a couple hardships in college, you know, injuries. When I first when I first got to campus, man, it's a funny story. I went on campus for two weeks and uh, broke my foot, broke my fifth metal tarsal the second week on campus, fresh, summertime. It was June the 14th. Broken foot. Uh, I mean, then I I got a chance because Muschamp came in 2016. I had a, I had a pretty good year because uh, had a chance to put me on the field. I co I co uh, tight end with uh, Hayden Hurst. Um, that was great to, to sit behind him and learn. And uh, he was a real good guy to uh, to learn the game from because he was older. He knew how to handle. He knew how to go about his business off the field. And um, I ended up breaking my leg in 2017. Uh, that put me out for a whole year. Then I came back 2018, you know, I dealt with injuries, dealt with a knee injury earlier in the year. I ended up breaking my finger, breaking my left middle finger, crushing uh, every, possibly every bone I had in that middle finger. I got like eight screws in it right now. But, I mean, uh, then I ended up uh, getting a tryout with the New York Giants. Uh, they ended up, I ended up not making it. But um, I had another tryout with the Texans, ended up catching the flu when I got back from New York. And I just end up. I just told myself I didn't get any more calls. I didn't get a training captain, but I just kind of told myself, "Hey, you're fine. What you want to do in life?" You know, I scrambled around with a couple jobs, and I end up. I end up recently working at enterprise, and then, um, man, I heard from heard through a mutual friend that that was coaching at Ocean Oceanside. 
kind of uh, gave me a heads up there might be some spots I opened it up and um my dad knew coach Joe Carl real well he gave him a call and I they've been they've known each other for years now and um I was just excited once coach called me in and said he wanted to do an interview man I, I showed up <laughs> ready to handle business you know I could shut up in my suit and tie well, I didn't have on the top. I showed up in my sports jacket and everything, ready to get the job. And I mean, Coach Coach Call and uh, Mr. Mark Myers and our principal sat down with them, and um, they offered me the job, and I took it that spot. <laughs> Man, I'm ready to get started and uh, get started into the season, start uh, getting to know all my guys at uh, Oceanside. Well, live right now, the former Gamecock standout, Bamberg Earhart High School Zone from Bamberg, South Carolina, Casey Crosby, who's on here with us right now talking about his new spot, his new home. He'll be a land shark, of course, at the Big O with Coach Call and staff over there, a great group. We've been very blessed to be a part of the Big O from uh, Coach Greer's days to now Coach Call's days. Of course, uh, you know, I got a chance to work side-by-side with Coach Call over at Somerville. Uh, but, Casey, man, I remember your recruiting process. Man, what? What a ride it was for you. You mentioned Alabama. You mentioned a lot of schools. Why, why South Carolina? Why? I mean, I'm sure Spurrier probably had a little bit to do with this here, but, but there was a guy on the other side in Alabama, Nick Saban. You mentioned a few other schools. But, but what was it about the Gamecocks, uh, about playing that Williams-Brice that you chose instead of going into some of these other opportunities that were in front of you? Man, it was hard to say no to Coach Saban because he's a legend also. I mean, it's, it's hard to say no to a winning ball team. Uh, and everything coach was offering me. But, I mean, I, I'm big on family. My dad's a high school coach. Me going eight hours, nine hours away, he probably get to watch me play maybe once or twice a year. And, I mean, that kind of played a big role on me in being close. And I've, I had a relationship with a lot of guys that have been getting recruited. I, I class in 2014. We were kind of kind of knowing each other since that 10th grade range. I mean, we just came together and was like, man, we want to try to build a super team and try to all get together. You know, we had a bunch of recruits coming that year. Um, like look, Chris Lamont, Bryson Allen Williams, Terry Gouger, had a lot of those guys, Taylor Stallworth, um, Debo, was all of us. Uh, we all, Shaq Davidson, we all kind of banded up together. It was like, hey, man, we want to we all go ahead and commit and lock it down in South Carolina. And, uh, man, it was – and we just kind of told ourselves from there, we just kind of wanted to get together and try to do something special with South Carolina. I mean – Statistically, we didn't get a chance to, but the, those are bonds I built. I have built with those guys forever. Like I still call all those guys today, still talk to them. Still, you know, if I need anything from them, they need anything from me. We still, we still had that bond and relationship that we built over those four to five years of school. Casey, when you look at some of the guys that have come out of your high school, and we'll kind of go back a little bit further than your Gamecock days, the Bamberg Earhart man. I don't know if it's in the water. I don't know if it's in the food. But even a guy like you and I kind of joked about a little bit earlier today and Ricky Sapp, I mean, he's no small guy by no means. Daquan Bauer is no small guy. And we could sit here and name about ten other guys that are no small guys. What is it about this small town that shuts down on Friday night, that the stadium's a packed-out facility, your dad and his coaching staff continues, you know, to just – you watch these cats come out, man, and, and not only are they great players, you guys are great people. I mean, you guys are great guys out here in the world just doing great things, man. What is it? about this small-town charm of Bamberg Earhart High School in Bamberg, South Carolina, that continues to put out scholars, not only guys, there's a lot of women out here doing big things, too. Yes, sir. It's just the culture. It's, it's, it's what you get built. It's what, what, and I don't mean to toot my dad's horn. It's just something he's been building since. When you get in sixth grade, that's when our program starts. It doesn't start when you get to eighth grade, ninth grade. You, you're starting in our program. You're in that weight room with 11th and 12th graders from the age of, 
12, 13, 14, getting around those guys and understanding what's what's expected, what's the standard. And I mean, in Bamber, that's 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 what we do. Ball, we play ball. We're a small town, but we build. Uh, my dad has built a program. My uncle has built a program down there that they have built it up to know it's a program. If we just we just lock it, we just reload. We don't have to rebuild. You just reload. You plug another guy in because he's played since he's been. 11th grade, senior leads, he steps up and he plays. It's just, just plugging into those spots because we built those. He built that program up to where it is now, and I mean, it's just that's just pretty much what it is. I mean, it's that home, that hometown. I know you raised with manners. You gonna say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, it's just the respect thing. It's kind of how, it's kind of how we're brought up down there. Well, Alex, right now with Casey Crosby, the newest staff on the uh, course, uh, Coach Calls era at the O, of course, uh, Oceanside, and, uh, of course, talking to him about his days, not only in high school and college, let's go back to your college days, you're, you're pretty close with another young man that had kind of the same, uh, but on the defensive side of, of life, and that's Bryson Allen Williams over there, the linebacker, seems like you guys were tick for tat, unfortunately, with the injury, you both were invited out to your camp, so you made it, to me, once you get invited to a camp, I get you, you know, the whole outcome of things, but to me, Getting the invite, man, that that's huge, right? So tell me a little bit about, you know, your relationship with a guy like Bryce, and you and I talked about that off the air, and uh, and how you guys continue to stay brothers even days and years here after the game of football has passed now at the Gamecocks. Funny story. Me and Bryce, when we first got to school, it was a power struggle. We are both four stars coming into school. Both felt like we had a chip on our shoulders and had something to prove, so, like, it was just a point where me and Bryson would get into it every single practice. I'm talking about I come across the middle, Bryson to hit me, I'm not looking. I'm walking but he's walking back to the huddle. I might go and give him a nudge and we might get into it. I'm talking this is for a year straight probably. Probably a year and a half straight. Coming out of our going into that twenty sixteen season it's kind of and we've always been close, nothing been personal, but that's just how we've always that's how we've always related to each other on the field. And, uh, I mean, it's funny because we always look back and laugh at it like, man, I remember that day. It was a spring game. I'll never forget. I was coming across the middle, and I turned my head. The ball went the other way, I turned my head, and Bison caught me right across the middle. And we got up and we got we got into a little scuffle. But things like that is what builds your cats and builds you as builds you as, as brothers. That's what that's what builds that bond together. And that's that's a bond we'll always have. Like I tell that man, be in, he'll be in my wedding. When I get married, he'll be, he'll be right there standing next <laughs> to me somewhere. And I'm sure mom will be right there. Of course, Darnisha was oh, yeah. a, a big part of the player here with us on Southern Sports Central, Casey, as she was a co-host with me here for about two years. Of course, Bryson, we followed him through his time like we did you, where he would call in and kind of go over where he went, went to Alabama, went to Southern Cal. You guys probably were tip for tat on your college visits a lot of times and didn't even know it, didn't realize it. You know, as you kind of went through, give me a moment at South Carolina as a Gamecock man. And I know 2001's got to be up there. Sandstorm's got to be up there. But you guys all have your own individual moment. Give me a moment at South Carolina that you remember and, and when you think of your days that, that, that you'll always something be close to your heart there. Uh, one thing that will always be close to my heart <laughs> against Tennessee that night game, running the fake screen to Brian Edwards, I slipped out right behind the corner. The safety, uh, he bit in and came down on the run. Jake Bentley hits me down the sideline going in towards our, our tunnel, and I get to the touchdown, I score, and I, I do the dance that was real popular at the time. It was called the Juju on the Beat. 
And that's just something that will always stick with me because, I mean, people always remind me of it every time I see them. They might not even know who I am. They might not know I even had other touchdowns or other plays. But that's one thing they always remind me of. I had a guy at work, he's a big Tennessee fan. We got to talking. He was like, oh, you're the kid that did the, that dance in the end zone on us and they threw the 15-yard pin there. I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good and a bad feeling. You know, he's telling you got a 15-yard penalty, but that's something I'll always be remembered for. And it's something that always be really close to my heart. We're live right now. The former Gamecock football standout in Bamberg Earhart High School loan, of course, from Bamberg, South Carolina, Case Crosby. He's the newest member of Oceanside. Of course, he'll be coaching side-by-side with uh, Coach Cole. As, uh, Coach Cole is building a dream team. Oh, boy, is he building a dream team. Uh, Casey, you're part of that dream team, man. You know, you, you said, of course, you've known, you know, the history of what Coach Call, he, of course, played under his grandfather, then took over that program over at Somerville. You're very familiar with Somerville, of course, not, what about maybe, what, 45 minutes away from, uh, you know, the, the bright lights of the Ville. Well, what is the thing that you're looking forward to the most about coaching now under Coach Call in your days, of course, of maybe comparing some notes on playing and now coaching? Uh, well, I'm just – I'm really looking forward to learning from Coach Carr, and I'm really looking forward to us winning a lot of ball games, and, and, and definitely winning some championships while we're there, also. Because that's, I mean, that's what we—that's our ultimate goal in to build these guys' character as a, as our as our players and stuff like that. So, I'm just really excited to get hands on with Coach Coach. Man, we talk at least once or twice a week. We just touch base. How excited we are to get get in the office and start actually getting to work. You know, the coronavirus everything's kind of up in the air right now when we actually start. But, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to get into the office where them coaches are smart, man. I, I, I like being around them. Just that vibe when we first met, it's just, it was just a solid vibe, and I'm excited. And I, I see we're building a super dream team. I'm ready to get on, get on board with all our coaches, and, and we just get to it. And we have one heck of a uh, 2020 football season. Hey, Coach, this is uh, Coach Benton over here, and I know you and I texted a couple times uh, right after you first got – you first took the job. Um, you know, I, and one thing I'm actually looking forward to uh, working with you a little bit, I'm going to do some consulting stuff on, on special teams. You're a guy that came in, highly recruited, you know. You know, I, I remember when uh, – uh, I, I will say uh, the school that I'm a fan of, and I'll leave that out, was looking at you as a linebacker. <laughs> uh, that's a little bit further south from us in the uh, – Florida region, but, um, you know, and, and so I, I'm definitely going to uh, hopefully rely on you because I know you're a guy that didn't matter where where they put you on the field, you know, you lined up, and I know you did a lot of great things on special teams, and uh, yes, so I'll sir. definitely be looking for some of your input on that. But, um, you know, and, and it's exciting. Uh, I know um, Coach Offer was a, a bit ahead of you. He was more of around my time at Carolina and Richie's time, but uh, have you had a chance to talk to him about uh, coming on, on board? I haven't. I haven't got a chance to talk to Coach O yet. But uh, uh funny thing is, one of my, my friends that are very close to me, uh, they played at Newberry when Coach was there coaching, and I, I asked him about him, and they, they have nothing but good things to say about Coach. I mean, I'm excited to get around him. I'm excited to get to it with him. So did did, did Miss Denise share with you that I had uh, talked to her before you and I had talked? No, nah, she, she didn't tell me that. She didn't. <laughs> well, see, you and I actually grew up not terribly far apart. Um, I, I, I'm a Calden County kid, but uh, on the way between uh, Earhart and Bamberg, you see, you used to you see those smoke. signs on the side of the road for uh, Benton's Peanuts and the Pink Eyed Peas, yeah. the Black Eyed Peas. That's my family's farm. 
<laughs> we grew okay. up not too far this, apart, this but I wouldn't call it world, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, so I reached out to her when I heard you were coming, and I said, don't worry about it. All, all these ladies around the team will definitely make sure he's fed. And you know what your mom's response was? What'd she say? <laughs> she said, I'm glad the boy's got a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so we laughed about that. But then, uh, you know, it was one thing I, I will say about the program. You know, you mentioned your, your father and uncle and, and the culture. And, you know, I know he he's a very hard-nosed, tough guy in speaking about your father. Um, but one of the things that between Calden County and Bamberg were – for lack of better words, when the stats would always come out and everybody used to say that, you know, your school and my school was some of the worst educational-wise in the state, there was a stat. Mm. Your your mother used to love to brag about this stat all the time. As soon as football season was over and that first semester was over, with all the guys in the program, and I'm imagining that means, like you said, the six straight up, there was a couple year, semesters in a row, a couple years in a row, that she would just put this out there for anybody who wanted to listen and said, no matter what you can say, every single player in our program passed every class, and the average was a B. And that's huge coming from that area and my area. It's just unheard of. Yep. And so, and so yep. that's definitely part of the culture thing, but definitely something your mom took pride in. Yeah, definitely. She definitely handled all. My dad, you know, my dad would he would have study. I mean, before you would come to practice, sometimes if you were a younger guy with, with grade issues, and you 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 weren't coming to practice the first thirty minutes, so you you might miss meetings and have to put on your gear and come straight to practice because you're going to study hall first. You're going to make up any work you got to do for your teachers because that's what that's what mattered to him. He felt my dad always feels like if if I can, if I can get you to do what you can do in the classroom, I know what I can get out of you on the field, and that's that's just his philosophy. That's how. That's how he goes about things, and it always starts. It's bigger than football. It always starts somewhere else, and it transfers to football. Football is a play. you got to be successful as a, as a human. I was going to ask you about that play, but you've already covered that with the dance. Uh, and, by the way, I, I'm the one that shared it with some of our uh, – some of some of the parents on the Oceanside team and some of the kids, man, they they, they like the video. So you got a, a lot of YouTube hits right after that. But um, you know, so going back a little bit to the recruiting process, um, and you're going to be mentoring some kids. Uh, you know, there there's a, a freshman at Oceanside that already has a South Carolina offer, um, and there'll be some other kids that that's uh, coming up that definitely will be. Uh, those type of kids that's going to get some offers. Uh, you know, for those kids and parents that might be listening, uh, if you could talk to us about the little recruiting process a little bit. You know, I know you went on some visits and things like that, you know, and and uh, I know both in-state schools were after you as well as, uh, you know, the big-time programs, the Alabamas, the Florida, stuff like that. You know, talk to us a little bit and, and let them kids know kind of what that big-time recruiting experience is like and uh, what you were looking for and kind of, you know, how you made your decision and why. It could be a beautiful and an ugly, and an ugly path going through the recruiting. You go through the good times, you go through the bad times, you go through where you, I want to commit today, I want to commit tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Stuff of that sort. But my biggest thing was you got to go in knowing what you're looking for out of a school. You can't go in letting them just present everything to you. Because if you go in there letting them present everything to you, everything sounds good. It's always that everything sounds good till you get on campus and things are actually picking up and you're actually in the fire now. So when we were going, I would always, my mom my mom went on all my serious trips. Every trip I took that, when I had a top ten, she went to all ten of those schools. When I had a top five, she visited all five of those schools. 
it was just a point where she wanted to know what kind of education was I getting. She wanted to know, like, kind of like what happened. I, I didn't make it to the NFL. She wants to know, can his degree get him a good job? Can he know how to survive in the real world? That's that's something you got to look at. Sometimes when you're an athlete, you just got to take the athletic part out. Because football, you, you've been playing football all your life. That ain't going to change. The game don't change. The point so is you just got to make sure you're handling your business in the school and getting your grades right and everything else. Football, all that's going to fall in line. Who's the biggest fan of Casey? Is it your mom or is it your sister? Oh, it's definitely probably, it's definitely my sister. I can say that hands down. It's definitely my sister. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely no my doubt, sister. man. <laughs> no that doubt. Girl, every yeah. time you did something, she was she was sharing it for everybody who would listen. And uh, you know, I always notice when y'all take the family pictures, she's right up under that arm, man. That girl. Oh yeah, so, uh, every time. Is she is she gonna stay, stay in Orangeburg or, or where's she at these days? Yeah, she's gonna stay in Orangeburg. She's going back to school right now, focusing on her uh, physical therapy. Uh, she's trying to get that, trying to get her associates in that right now. She's gonna focus on that. But I mean, every chance she get, I'm pretty sure she'd be in my house in Charleston somewhere. Every chance she get, you know. <laughs> I, that's why I said me and my sister. Um, we, we're definitely close. Like I said, she's always been my biggest my biggest fan. I've always been her biggest fan. She she's been a softball player. Unfortunately, she didn't play in college, but she's one of the only girls I know who's been hitting home runs since she's been in the eighth grade. I'm talking about over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hopefully, you know, you can find her uh, a job on the staff as a as a trainer or something like that, or or definitely one of the schools close so you guys can be close down here. Um, so uh, a little bit about what what's going on with uh, OW and how's Dad's uh, program looking this year. Dad's doing good. You know, I know I know we're both in three. I kind of talk trash to him every now and then. But he, he's looking good. Um, they're still working out. They do a lot of Zoom calls, you know, getting to it. As he's going into year three, I know he got some special things in store. Uh, they've been getting better every year. I'm looking for him to be a huge contender in the, uh, in the playoffs this year. He's got he got his he has his program established now. They understand how how Coach Crosby works. So it's like now it's just falling in line. And, well, how how long before you go you uh, have that meeting with Coach Meyer and? Uh, Coach, call and see if we can't uh, schedule that game. Oh yeah, that's if we if we can't play him, I definitely want to scrimmage him just because that I'm so competitive. I feel like if I got a chance to, why not? Well, I'd say everybody, everybody I know. If you you jumping off in the business here and coaching, man, everybody wants to. Everybody wants you know like all the assistants that come back. They want that chance to beat Saban. So uh, I know yeah, if yep. you ever get that chance, I know it's going to be a pretty competitive week. And you know you might have to make mom commit. You know she might have to wear one shirt or the other. I don't know. Yes, yeah, you got to pick a side. <laughs> we know what side your sister is going to be on. Oh yeah, for sure. I know that. Well, man, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, meeting you as soon as they uh, get things going. Uh, I'm assuming you'll be here. For, I, I just saw an email about the draft that will be going on. That's going to be like an NFL-type event. I'll actually miss it because I'll be at uh, Ohio State that weekend with uh, one of your special teams guys. But um, you know, it's, it should be a fun a fun draft. It's going to be down at the – I think at the beach. And, uh, you know, I, that may change based on the, uh, some type of regulations. But – I uh, mean, I'm really looking forward to getting to meet you in person like that on the field under a different setting where uh training these kids and getting ready for the season. Oh, yeah, man. I'm excited, Coach. I'm ready to get down there and get hands on, and let's let's get to winning some ball games. 
Well, Most right definitely, now, man. Former Game stand out and uh, trying to put everything together here. Of course, he uh, played his days at Bamberg Earhart High School there in Bamberg, South Carolina. Currently, of course, Casey Crosby is one of the newest coaches over at the Big O. That, of course, is Oceanside Academy in the Land Sharks, of course, uh, landing a big-time, big-time coach in the making here. Of course, Coach Call has continued to build this dream team, and, boy, more news and notes to come out of that as well. That being said, you know, Casey, we're at a really weird time, and this is kind of the final thing I'll give you, and I'll let you get back at yourself. And I do want to say I, much love to you for, for giving us time here tonight and coming on our show. But um, kids right now are in a very weird, weird situation with, uh, you know, not practicing, didn't get spring ball. They're not in the weight room. Well, at least they're not at the weight room at the high school, but they haven't been in the weight room in the last two months. You know, you, of course, and I have been told growing up to play every game like it's your last game, and yet some kids had to do that in the spring, and who knows yep. if the summer gets into the fall. What do you suggest right now, or give me some advice to a young athlete who is sitting at home and who has not done maybe as much as they could have done, what should they be doing right now during their time when they're not in the books? Like we mentioned, you go to school, so you get that education. You just play a sport while you're there. But why they're preparing for this upcoming season, what should they be doing right now, Casey? Hey, man, you got to grind for what you can't see. That's one thing I wish somebody when I was younger would have kept instilling in me. You got to grind for what you can't see. Right now, what you're doing is for the season when we do pick up the season. Everything you're doing now is for the season. Nothing is due for, oh, we're playing tomorrow. Nothing's built that way. You have to grind for what you can't see. It's 24 hours in a day. You don't go to school. It's basically, basically they're living the college life right now. You don't go to school. You can wake up in the morning, get a workout in, go back home and do – I'm pretty sure 20 – probably about 95% of them play in the video game. You can play that for two, three hours. You know what you can also do? You can go back and get another workout in. That's two workouts you got in before two o'clock in the uh, before two o'clock p.m. That's that's how you got to set your mind to be great. You can't you can't if you're sitting back right now. Let's say we don't pick up things until July. You got one month to get yourself in shape. You got one month to get yourself football ready, and that that it doesn't work that way. That's that, everything you build in the season and in the playoffs. The way you build in the playoffs is all everything's done in the off season. Nothing's done overnight, or I just I just went out there in August and just threw my shoulder pads on. It's, it's never that way. It never works that way. Well, Casey, I'm gonna tell you what, man. I uh, I I love it, man. I don't think I've ever heard that quote before. So wherever you got it from, if you brought it up yourself, you need to coin it quickly, hashtag it, put it on a shirt, and sell it. Cause uh, grind for what you can't see. And uh, I love it, man. I appreciate you. I'm going to meet you here shortly, I'm sure, here in the next couple of weeks to get that chance to catch oh, up yeah. with you here in Charleston. And uh, if there's any time, you got you and I talked about some stuff off the air that I still want you to work on because I'd love to have you a part of some things too. Uh, let's do it. Other than that, my man, enjoy the night. Enjoy the weekend. What's the plans this weekend? It's, it's of course, you know, oh, a man. big Memorial Day I turned, weekend. I turned 24 on Saturday. What? Man. Yeah, I turned 24 on Saturday. Yes, sir. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So what are you going to do for your birthday, man? we got about a minute left. What are you going to do for that 24th birthday? You, uh, are you in Charleston? you coming to Charleston? Probably, or what's the plan? Yeah, I'm going to most birthday likely boy? come to Charleston. I'm still moving some things down there, so I'm going to be in Charleston. I'll probably go out on the beach, go get myself a good seafood dinner. I love seafood, right. my favorite food. So I'm going to definitely go get some seafood. 
And uh, I'm just going to relax, man. I just, it's another year. I'm blessed to see one. Well, i tell you what, man, when you get here, I'm sure you'll have a thousand people offer you this opportunity, man. But when you get here, give me a shout. We'll head over to the creek, the Shim Creek, and uh, we'll, we'll get over there and hang out. Or Eugene, I know you're listening. He likes seafood. Cook him some seafood. Hey, man. We'll go to Eugene's place. Don't turn down food. We'll just eat at Eugene's. <laughs> oh, don't turn down any food. I'm going to hold you to it. All right. I got you. <laughs> All right there, buddy. Hey, we appreciate you. We're proud of you. We can't wait to get you to the Low Country. Welcome to the Low Country family. Welcome to Southern Sports Central's family. And I know you're going to be taken care of because those guys and girls over the ocean side are first class all the way around, and they've upgraded it day after day. They keep getting guys like you. And, of course, Coach Calls over there, and there's a few other announcements I'm sure they're going to be leaking out here shortly. But, uh, man, oh, man, that dynasty is getting strong, and it's getting big, and it's on the way, my man. So, uh, happy birthday. I'll check you up with you off the air, and I look forward to seeing you hopefully over the weekend while you're here. Appreciate it. Hey, much love. Go Land Sharks. There you go. Look at there, man. He's already got it in touch. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I love it, man. God is so good to us here on Southern Sports Central. We got some some, some summertime music for my birthday guy here. Uh, of course, the one and only Casey Crosby as we're going to go to a break. We got another coach. We're heading to the Alamo, to the Alamo, of course, where we're, of course, being here with a uh, a coach that you've seen him on social media, you've seen him on Twitter, you've seen him on Facebook. Of course, that's Coach Marco Rigalaga. And he'll be joining us here next, right here on Southern Sports Central, all the way from the Alamo in Texas. Guys, don't go anywhere. a bit of a break from the norm just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control it's cool to dance but what about a groove that soothes the move romance give me a soft subtle mix and if it ain't broke then don't try to fix it and think of the summers of the past adjust the face and let the alpine last pop in my cd and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because this is summertime Yeah, I got on sneaks, 
but I need a new pair. Cause basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hop in the water plug, just for old time's sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends as y'all reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kiss. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill could spark off nostalgia. All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six o'clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applies in the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing, leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Altman, alongside the coach, Eugene Benton. Coach, I tell you what, not only did we get educated on his experience going through the drafting or the, excuse me, the recruiting process from his days in high school to college, we, of course, got the excitement and even finished it off with the Big Bang, giving a shout-out, of course, to uh, Oceanside, his new home, where he'll be sporting uh, the Big O on, uh, on his clothes. But we also find out he's going to have a birthday coming up, man. How cool is that? Twenty. Uh, you say 24, 24. years old? <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be 24 again. Oh, man. Long time ago, dude. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So, we do have another guest. And this young man, of course, uh, has done great things. He has uh, gone viral from tick to talk to this to that. And, of course, joins us now live here uh, on the Tent Farm Hotlines. And we head to the Alamo, Alamo, Texas. With the one and only Coach Rigolato is uh, taking some time away from the internet. Well, kind of. He's going to do the voice here on the radio with me. And uh, Coach, what's up, man? How's life in Texas? Hey, man, it's hot. <laughs> it's, uh, we just finished spending. We're about five hours outside, uh, handing out senior graduation packets to our seniors. So, I mean, I got my fair share of sun right now. Wow, so how did that go? Because I know here in South Carolina, you know, they're doing parades through the parking lots. They're having a, a light show with all the little lingling lights and stuff like that here. And certain schools are doing certain things. They've decided graduation in the one county that we're located here in the studio is in Dorchester County. They're doing it actually in the stadium where they're only allowing two to maybe four tickets. Uh, what, what's the protocol over there with you guys at your high school? It's pretty similar. You know, uh, for this week – we had tables set up, you know, we all had our masks and gloves and basically we had a security guards only letting in six cars at a time. So they'd pull up to a table. We'd walk up, put the materials on the table and then step back six feet and then they could take it off the table. So we were never at the table at the same time. And then we also had somebody, as soon as they took the packet and left, they would spray down the table. So for every kid, it was just the kind of the process we had to do. We're live right now with Coach Regalado. Of course, you would know him there on TikTok or Twitter or Facebook. He's that guy who's uh, – they say coaches have multi-personalities. No, really, this guy's got like 12 of them. 
He's a special teams coach. He's a trainer. He's the old coach that never retires. He's the newest coach who just has more excitement than he does knowledge. He's also the head coach. He's played many roles throughout the world of Twitter, and he, of course, has blown TikTok out of the building. Man, has TikTok, have they, have they even reached, have they reached out to you, man, and, and maybe said, hey, you might want to be our poster child, or have you called them and said, look, you can write the check to this address? <laughs> well, to be 100% honest, I haven't really blown up on TikTok. A lot of uh, the views and uh, retweets is, is Twitter. Uh, like is it, on TikTok, I got about five or 6,000 followers, and, you know, I got some views, but on Twitter – I blew up from starting off with 2,500 followers. I'm at 12,100 right now, and I've accumulated over 300, I mean, 3 million or such views on my videos. So Twitter is a lot of my audience is coaches and teachers and people who can relate. So they're the ones who have been watching it and retweeting it and stuff. Now, of course, we have another coach that comes on here, and he does a lot of motivational videos. I think you and him have connected as well, Coach Hines out of California comes in as well as just like yourself where you guys help us well tighten up the building a little bit more maybe upgrade the radio a little bit more have you connected with coach Hines and, and kind of if you have tell us about that and then has any other coaches maybe kind of reached out to you that kind of shocked you so I've talked to coach Hines a little bit here and there on Twitter we haven't really directly like direct message but he's definitely one coach I'd love to collaborate with one day because he's on TikTok too and he's got some pretty good stuff <laughs> But, uh, no, I've, I've definitely had some uh, FBS head coaches reach out, tell me they love what I'm doing and keep doing what I'm doing. And that's, uh, you know, that's been pretty awesome, you know, to, to have coaches of that caliber, you know, tell me they love what I do and to keep doing what I do. Uh, they just it's basically just keep making people smile. You know, um, I had a conversation with a coach the other day. Uh, he's from North Texas. And he was kind of telling me it's a sad story. It's just a uh, – you know, his daughter that was seven years old passed away about a month ago. And um, basically, you know, he said that those minute-long videos that I make is just kind of lets him escape from that and smile and laugh. So he looks forward to those videos every day. And that's kind of like become my new why, you know. I want to continue to do these videos as long as people are enjoying them and laughing and smiling. You know, it's more than the views and the followers. It's if people are enjoying them and finding joy in them, then I'm going to continue to do them, you know. No doubt about it. We're live right now with the one and only coach. Uh, you guys know him as Coach Rigolato here on uh, Twitter. He, of course, is also on Facebook, but he's doing it all with uh, multiple, multiple uh, areas of uh, expertise, if you will. I mean, he's even gone into – the Madden coach, uh, the one the most recently one I think that you've kind of put out is the fan, right? The guy that sits there in the stands, he's got his arms kind of rolled up his sleeves, and, you know, he uses uh, certain words that only individuals may know what he's saying, but yet you kind of nailed that one as well. You know, are you getting any ideas from the outside? I know Eugene, uh, and I'm going to let you kind of jump in here too, buddy. We'll kind of have a three-way conversation, but, but uh, you know, it's like I was telling you off there, and, and of course, uh, where – you made, you made Eugene's day. When you put this thing out there, I said, man, Eugene, that thing identified him to the tick, to the top, to you name it. Now, every other special teams coach, and I tell you, you know, for Eugene, that, that's a specially made video. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, 
you know, when I messaged you and I was like, wait, I haven't seen this. You said, well, I made it. And all of a sudden you tagged me. I'm sitting there looking at it. And I told Richie, I was like, I don't know if I want to laugh at myself or just put my head down. <laughs> he just nailed me so well. Yeah, I think uh, you did that with the like, trainers as well. I think that's just been the biggest thing why people love them is because, yeah, to a certain point, it's a parody. But these things, it's just like it's real life. This is what real – this is what coaches – you know, go through on a daily basis. And I, like I said, I think that's why it's blown up on Twitter because being followed by coaches. Now, the amount of coaches on the TikTok app, it's not a whole lot. You know, on TikTok, it's a lot of kids. So, you know, a couple of the videos that blow up on my part are the slapstick ones or, you know, the physically comedic ones because, yeah. like I said, they're, they're kids. They don't understand the coaching life or any of that stuff. And I think that's why they've become so popular on Twitter is because, you know, I've got – all these followers that are that are in the coaching profession and they can relate, or at least have right, so you know maybe they don't haven't experienced it but see somebody else. We're gonna since we're all laughing at at ourselves. Um, tell me about the whole leaving the uh, inflatable tunnel thing. That's a true story. So uh, I didn't leave it because of a pep rally, but I had I guess like you know we're at a small school. There's not a whole lot of coaches. This was my first year coaching. And uh, we got a laundry list of things to do, you know, because I was also in charge of the headsets. I was also in charge of a couple other things. So I thought we're good to go. And so we take off. We're playing Referio, Texas, which the number one team in the state. They won multiple state titles. And, you know, we're trying our best to prepare the kids mentally to take on a team like this. I mean, they're just big and nasty and all this other stuff they're very talented so when it comes down to setting up i go to our trailer and i i can't find the inflatable so i talked to the other coach because there was two of us in charge of it so i just assumed he had got it and then he told me i don't have it either so i just i took the bullet i bit the bullet and had to go tell our head coach uh head coach by the way um i know this is a really big game and we're at their house and everything but i forgot the inflatable How'd that go? Um, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, it was just kind of gave me one of those disappointed looks. And he's like, well, if we win, we'll never use it again. But we didn't so, win. Uh, you know, we nah. lost 56 to zero. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, outside of the special teams, my favorite, one of my favorite ones that I just laughed the most was the Chalk Wars. And so, uh, favorite video so far. Oh, man, I definitely love the coaching school one. You know, the characters you see at coaching school definitely has to be one of my all-time favorites. And the Chalk Wars was was a fun thing to film just because if you're not on Twitter, like, that's actually happening right now. That's a thing. Like, there's a Chalk Wars, like, it's not a league, but Monday through Thursday, like, from 9 to 11 p.m. is like a, a group of 200 coaches on a Zoom call watching two guys go at it on a dry erase board. So uh, if you were participating in the Chalk Wars, are you picking offense or defense? I've done both. Uh, my Right now my focus is defense because I coach on the defensive side of the ball, but I have done both. But nah. it's just so you're blitzing it's funny because <laughs> you're sitting there having a try. Well, you got to defend. you got to have numbers. And, and then it's, I'm not even exaggerating. There's people who are like, 
they'll say, well, I'm going to throw the fade over there. It's like, well, I'm, you're not going to complete that fade. That's my corner. You know, he's a he's committed to to you know Alabama. He's a, he's my stud. That's my best athlete. You're not going to complete that pass. And then they're going back and forth. And then you have to roll the dice. So it's just like I said, it's like Dungeons and Dragons, but coaching. So what do you guys are you guys having any updates in Texas? Uh, when do you guys uh, look to be getting into the weight room? Do you know yet? So they've uh, they've approved a June 8th start, but there's going to be some limitations, and I I could only assume we're probably not going to do anything in the weight room, just because of the you know the social distancing. You, you can't really have spotters; you got to be six feet away, and you know I'm, I'm sure you can use some dumbbell workouts, kind of things that you don't have to be right next to or on top of somebody. But a lot of it's probably going to be outside conditioning things that we can follow the, the guidelines and the regulations where we don't have to be making physical contact. But June 8th is the day that Texas can start. We're live right now with a one and only Coach Regalado. Of course, you would know him there on Twitter and on Facebook for all the personalities that he kind of created there. And I kind of felt kind of Saturday Night Live skittish there. But it was uh, and has been quite the entertainment as we're uh, not only talking about that, but – we're also talking to him as he's also a high school football coach there in the Alamo. And uh, with that being said, uh, you brought up a good point. And, and this whole time, Eugene and, and Coach, you know, I, I didn't even think about the spotter spectrum of this thing. You're right. I mean, without the spotter, you're, you're not getting most of those weights in there unless it's a free weight, right, unless it's one of the dumbbells or, or some of the things that maybe, you know, you can kind of do on your own. But a lot of the things in there, they do – Required, right? In high school, for sure, a spotter there for safety purposes. So, you know, that being said, when you got that distance rule, even here in the state of South Carolina, it limits you in opportunities. And yet, do you believe, and maybe these coaches start to take a lot of these weights, or not a lot, but some of the dumbbells and some of the other individual things that they can bring outside that they can work on? And then what they'll do as they go from, I would say, station to station, you'll sanitize as you go. And that's, that's what the Georgia rules that just came out said. You can only have side spotters. So we what have you a, guys like in said, Texas, we're still waiting. We're still waiting for the final verdict on that. Like I said, they're still meeting, and they have until June 8th to tell us what we need to do. But, you know, this is just me assuming about the spotters. We could have side spotters. I don't know. You know, Olympic lifts are definitely something that we can do just because you don't, it doesn't require a spotter, you know, cleaning, pressing, doing jerks. Uh, limit the weight, of course, and stuff like that. But that's not a lift that requires a spotter. Um, but even then, like on bench and squad, you could say, well, we can go light. But that's just something that we don't really believe in. You know, whether the weight is light or heavy, you always have to sp- have a spotter. It's, you know, it's a, it's a liability, it's a safety type thing. So the weight room is definitely going to be I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. And just being completely optimistic or honest, I mean, I don't really think we're going to be able to use a weight room at least the first month. Uh, just because of social distancing. Coach, the other thing that you kind of look at here and the fear that I have, and, of course, I would imagine a lot of your coaches, and we've talked about this on multiple shows, is that, you know, now everybody's on the same line or everybody's in the same boat or however, whatever saying you need to go with here, they're all looking at the same problems, and that is the health part of this thing. And, and these kids, you know, they're going to be smaller, I would think, than they, than they are in the past because, you know, like I know, the, the weights that you lift in the weight room, you know, that's going to put that body mass back in check. That's going to put a lot of muscle mass back on you. 
you can only do but so much with the body weight that you carry on you. So you're running, but you're yet losing weight. You're doing push-ups, and that's good for some of your arms. But it's going to be different. Is there a fear in your eyes that these kids are going to come back a little bit weaker into this 2020 season, and could that lead into some problems? And maybe your, your trainer part of you and your mindset starts thinking, man, I might have a pretty busy season once this thing kicks off. Well, I can tell you just because we had an equipment pickup the other day, you know, these kids are looking a little more skinnier, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if you know anything about the area we live in, at least the, the area where our high school is, you know, we're not the best economically advantaged, you know, place. And a lot of these kids are relying on those three meals a day at school. So they're at home and they may not be getting all the, all the supplements and all the, the, the calories they need. So they may be working out, which we hope they are running pushups, but if they're not getting that caloric intake, which you know, not everybody is blessed to get three home-cooked meals a day. So you also got to factor in that as well. You know, they're, they're probably not going to come in as yoked as we think they are unless they have the amenities, you know, they have that home life, that they can get those meals, they have a home gym or something like that. But it's going to be a – it's going to be different. Coach, when you look at some of the other things here and you start to kind of look at that, and that's, that's, a, great, that's a great statement there and, and definitely something that we want to put on social media because, you know, we've talked a little about that. We've brought that up before. We actually have one of our coaches that comes on the show in Manning, South Carolina, at C.E. Murray. It's Coach Schmitty, and I'm sure he follows you as well. <laughs> He's an athletic and a football coach listening to us now uh, there in Manning. But he drives the bus that delivers the food. I mean, this is a guy that's kind of like a Mr. Everything uh, there in Manning. But what about these kids that aren't getting meals? This is the time. And I've said this for not even them, but any kid, not just the athletes, but all kids, they rely on the school system to feed them at least that three meal during the school year because they know in the summertime it's not quite as, as easy for them to get some of that type of food. How much have you guys seen with your athletes as well as the food part, but also in the academic part. Is the turnaround time in getting these kids, are they turning in their work? Are you guys having a good success rate in them getting online? I know you talked about the uh, disadvantages of the, the area that you're in there, but, but how is this affecting them academically? You know, it's tough. Some of the kids don't have the technology to be able to get into the Google Classroom, and they're suffering. They're falling behind. They're not able to turn their assignments. Um, and it's at no fault of them, you know, so we're trying our best to accommodate them. We did have a, a earlier in the, in this COVID, you know, stay at home. We did have a, a packet that we were passing out, you know, for each student in their classrooms and stuff that they didn't have access to technology. So as a district, we're doing everything we can. We're doing our very best to try to accommodate every kid because, you know, not every kid is fortunate enough to have a laptop or a desktop, and you can't, you can't expect a kid to do all their assignments on their phone. It's impossible. How are you going to write an essay on your phone? You know, that's just not right. So, uh, like I said, there, there, some kids are going to definitely be disadvantaged, but, you know, as a district, I know we're trying to accommodate them the best way we can. Well, I can speak on behalf of everybody in every other place, not just on our show, but any other show. We are huge fans of you as a teacher, as you as a coach, you as a mentor for you, for what you're doing on the social media to take our minds away for just a little while. It may be a minute and a half, but that's a minute and a half. I don't have to focus on COVID-19. And I, I thank you for giving me a lot of laughs. I look forward to growing our relationship. Once we get back around to the new normal, we're going to have your football coaches that uh, you surround yourself by. And uh, line me up one of your players or two. Matter of fact, mind me up as many players as you think 
that would love to come on our show. We'd love to talk to him. All right. And if you got anybody else over there in Texas, we'd love to talk to them too, because, you know, we get it, man. Texas football is big football. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, uh, we're real proud of you as an individual uh, and uh, all that you're doing there. Uh, and you never knew, man. You had no idea when you made this first TikTok thing that it was going to be what it is today, right? I had no idea. I say that. I tell that every. I say it all the time. I just, I had no expectation of it reaching this this uh, magnitude, proportions. I just, uh, I just did a little video for my friends, and my coworkers, and uh, and now here I am entertaining people all over the nation. It's it's pretty humbling. It's pretty awesome. Has ESPN gotten in touch with you yet, man? Have you made it there on the Four Letter Network on uh, on TV yet? Because we're going to do our part to get you on there, man. Hey, man, that'd be nice. I have not made it, so I, that's why people keep saying, "Man, you're famous, man." This and this, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm, you know, I I guess to a certain extent, I'm coming out on radio shows. I've done some podcasts. I've come out on local television, you know, local news stations and stuff like that. But right. I haven't been on haven't been on the Ellen Show. I've been on ESPN or anything like that. So, like I said, it's not about that. I don't mind if they reach out. Then right. awesome. You know, then I get to touch more people with my videos and make more people smile. But until then, you know, my twelve thousand faithful, I'm gonna keep rocking it with them. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. And by the way, he's quite the musician as well, too. If you haven't seen that part of his video. Uh, he's got some pretty good tunes there. He slams the guitar. Not really slams it, but definitely rocks it out there. Uh, Coach, man, we, we, we love you, man. We appreciate you. You're, you know your family here on Southern Sports Central. You're part of our staff and team. And uh, Let's talk a little bit off the air. i got a project I'd like to do during the offseason before the season starts with me, you, Eugene, and i got a couple other guys I've already gotten to with that. One of those is the guy that you said you'd like to talk to. Coach Hines is in on this, too. But uh, i got something right. I think we can do that uh, we can touch coast to coast and, uh, of course, everywhere in between with you there in Texas. Perfect. I'm I'm all for it. All right, buddy. Man, thank you again. Eugene, I know you want to say goodbye to him as well, man, but uh, appreciate what you do. Keep doing it, man. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, We're I looking forward you. to it. I did, I did send a message out to Coach uh, Coach Hines there and told him uh, you're looking forward to collaborating with him. Uh, I'll definitely uh, tune into that. That should be some solid entertainment, to say the least. <laughs> awesome man I, I appreciate you guys having me on it's always a blast um you know y'all stay safe let's just keep quarantining until everything's you know cleaned up and stuff like that hey final thing i did see this and i couldn't tell whether it was a sports radio guy but i'm waiting for your sports radio guy your play-by-play guy you know the guy that's on the radio that's play-by-play so let that let's see if we can get one of those up and running man i do that on friday nights as well but i did see a microphone in your hand and i was trying to watch it and i think i had my nine-year-old and he was trying to make me watch WWE on a Monday night, and oh, it was tough. I'd rather watch the video. But anyways, yeah, so keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Much love, and we'll talk to you on the next visit. Yes, sir. God bless. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Coach Rigolato. And he does it from uh, TikTok Talk to Facebook to Twitter to you name it. He does it, and we greatly appreciate his time away from uh, his normal day to hang out with us here on Southern Sports Central. And, uh, again, guys, it's just the little things that become big things, right? It's only little right now, but it means so much to so many. Uh, I can promise you um, we're going to, Eugene, go YouTube. We're going to go Facebook. We're going to do whatever we got to do. We're going to get this guy on, on ESPN. That's our goal. And we're going to as many of you guys that retweet, we'll, we'll tag ESPN. Hey, highlight this dude. You're highlighting cornhole. You're highlighting underwater baskets. 
You know, we even you're under yeah, everything else. This guy here, man, this is a real winner. This guy here deserves you know something, right? Yeah. Just just the video that was posted about the kids missing the excuses for uh missing yeah. practice already has eighty eight point one thousand views. God bless us. <laughs> That's amazing. That is that is amazing. Yeah. Man, how great is it? Man, it's been a solid show, man. You know, we started off course uh with coach curtis he kind of checked in kind of came out of nowhere he gets an, an opportunity he texts me he says hey man look i just got an opportunity i you know i played my football days at this high school i went to benedict i did great things and uh man i got a chance to coach i said hey call in so he did that of course uh we we got a chance to talk about the islanders over there on st john's at the high school and of course uh their new coaching staff led by coach mike howard and of course uh you know uh coach brown's over there now as well then we headed over to, of course, Jay Williams. He is the commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Got updated with him and his league. J.J. Yaley, of course, uh, 16 years of NASCAR driving in the big leagues there. Number 27, races for Rick Ware Racing. Now, I'd say it slowly. It's a tongue twister. He checked in with us at 7. And uh, then 8 o'clock, the birthday boy. Birthday, of course, is on uh, Saturday. He'll be 24. He gets a big gift, and he gets to become a coach after so many years of playing football, and it all started there in Bamberg. Of course, South Carolina was his destination in college. He did get that opportunity to go to New York to uh, work at the camp there with the Giants. But uh, his last, one of his next steps, I guess you would say, is at the Big O, Oceanside, where he'll get to be under Coach Joe Call and uh, a handful of other great individuals on and off the field over there at Oceanside Academy with the Land Sharks. And then finally, we checked in with YouTube Sensation. He is a Facebook social media guru over there, and uh, that, of course, is Coach Rigolato calling in from uh, the Alamo in Texas. It doesn't happen often, man, but we get them post to coast and uh, from town to town, and uh, our show, man, I tell you, Eugene, we're very blessed to get so many great interviews and so many great people that believe in our vision and our mission, man. You know, and once again, you know, we're bouncing around. Uh, whew, all we needed to do was have Coach Hines on. We'd have gone from California to Texas to well, where was J.J. between Darlington and Charlotte? And, you know, and then we got uh, Casey, who I think is actually technically either in Georgia and on right. his way back from up what he's doing. I mean, just bouncing around, you know. And then also, like I said, you know, we started off over there on uh, on John's Island. So, you know, it's been a great show. We got to – it's exciting when you bring in high school coaches, you bring in, you know, these internet sensations, NASCAR driver. Gosh, man, you know I mean? Well, you don't want to say where does it stop because you want it to keep going, want it to grow, and uh, that's that's what we need. We need more people out there uh, supporting us and checking in and tweeting and retweeting and and all that good stuff. But you know, man, it's been a great experience. Uh, I loved having everybody on and uh, getting here. What they have to say, you know, I learned a lot, especially learned some NASCAR stuff. But you know, until Sunday, uh, we'll meet up at the at the uh, gym. Just want to say everyone stay safe. God bless, and uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday. No doubt about it, guys. I want to thank our sponsors. Of course, the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios will be there live on Sunday for a three-hour show starting at 6, ending at 9. The address is 5913 Loftus Road in Hanahan, South Carolina. It is uh, a great spot to get better and do it now. Of course, the Temp Farm is one of our sponsors, Somerville Signs, Simmons Barbershop, and Gurren's Pharmacy, guys. From all of us to all of you, we'll be back live on Sunday evening, 6 o'clock. We hope that you guys stay safe. Stay distance, and uh, let's get back after it. We'll see you again Sunday night, 6 p.m. sharp Eastern Standard Time. Until then, we'll see you then, guys. God bless. Take care.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.